0: No! No. No. Now, the Neil Rogers Show on 560 WQAM. One million pounds for Neil Rogers, he's in his house. Absolutely correct, sir.
1: Oh! Here's another one for you, Howie.
2: No extra charge. Wasn't that Bernie Gantz who said, here's another one for you? I think it was. I'll be
0: a student, i play the tuba, be on the honor roll. That ain't surprising, cause in Florida, school ain't no problem at all.
3: This be my tuba,
0: this be my gun, <laughs> but tubas don't make you gay I killed my teacher. It was an accident. I bust a cap in
4: his head. Yo.
2: 902 at 560 WQAM. Happy Tuesday to you. In paradise, everybody. 971 votes on our survey yesterday, and, of course, uh, we asked one of those strange questions that we ask on this show because, unlike a lot of other boring shows, terminal shows where they pontificate and say nothing, this is a strange show, and it's always going to continue to be a strange show, and no asshole is going to come in and tell us what to say on this show, whether it's politically correct or incorrect. They can stuff it, whether it's shtick or they can just stick it, as a matter of fact. Well, we'll get to that in a second, okay? 971 votes on a survey we asked if you ever been required to sw- swim naked in gym class because and you see when things happen to you in life you assume that everybody else is uh, required to go through the same crap in high school in Canandaigua Academy in Canandaigua, New York a little town of 10,000 people we were forced to re- re- required we were required to swim naked in gym class <laughs> not that it's a big deal but it seems to me it's rather dehumanizing and embarrassing especially if you have a very small penis anyway no absolutely not 830 people said that 85 and percent but That means 14.5% shared that experience. Let's hear it, because misery loves company. Right, Howard? Yes, in public school, 62. Yes, at the YMCA, 57. Yes, in private or parochial school, 21. So uh, almost 15% of the audience had to be subjected to the same ignominious crap, embarrassment, and humiliation as I was, and that makes me feel better. Did that make you feel better, George? Much. Since you were the one that thought that, oh, Neil just made that up, he's just uh, talking didn't more facts. I think you fact. made
5: it up, I just thought it was unique to your situation, or maybe that town,
2: and that time. Well, Canandaigua is kind of an unusual town. But anyway, here's a facts, our first facts of the morning, and a very good one, too, and it fits right in with what I'm going to talk about. Because I, I was sitting here 7.15 this morning. See, Howard, I know you're frustrated because you couldn't get George fired, and that was a very good caller right toward the end of the show. Ow! That was excellent. I know you're very upset because you got all bent out of shape about that baby Schmidt and you know, all that baby crap about those silly is all of which basically said the same silly crap that we've been saying here on the show. But you see, we have actually have an office pool. That's what uh, that that's what I discovered from uh, some of the contacts I had. Not George. George isn't the mole anymore. But from that big QAM ratings party last night, they were taking up an office pool. How many people will Howard David try to get fired by the Fourth of July? And the way it's working so far, it's not gonna it's not gonna happen. Although he does have a lot of people very intimidated, some of the underlings who are very, very nervous because they know if they don't genuflect, kiss his ring and look at him uh, crosswise, then they're probably going to get their ass fired, or at least he'll do his best. See, here's a guy that came into town, and if you'll recall, try to remember, I was the only one after that article in Very Jackass when he made the comment about how sports talk is boring and he's going to do this. And, of course, Hank took exception to that, and Mad Dog took exception to it. And the other people on the station were like, yeah, like that, you know, like, what's this guy all about? He's an asshole, things like that, which I guess maybe they were more perceptive than I was. But at any rate, I stood up. I thought, hey, here's a guy who's like a national uh, play-by-play guy. I've heard his play-by-play. He's very good at that. And it's, uh, you know, it's great, as opposed to having like some punk from off the street come in here. So I actually did give the guy a chance, and then I heard that show. And now, of course, I hear the great, the biting social commentary, the riveting social commentary that goes on every morning, most of which are incorrect. But nevertheless, I don't know about you, but when I get up in the morning, I, now, you sports talk can be pretty ponderous and boring, especially now when there's nothing really going on there, nothing except a baseball team that nobody cares about. But the fact of the matter is when I get up and roll out of the sack in the morning, I don't want to be, like, hit uh, blindsided with all the morbid, depressing stuff first thing in the morning with somebody pontificating like the, the authority of mankind. Anyway, here's this fax, and then we'll get to, back to Mo Howard and his... Most, in fact, I would say that what I heard at 7.15 this morning was the most intemperate, irresponsible comment in the history of radio. Oh. Nice going, Mo. Not everybody can say that. I mean, the comment he made about Dave Johnson, that was just Mo being stupid. You see, this is, this goes back to Greg Reed again. Just because some guy's a good play-by-play guy doesn't make him into a talk show host. You can sit any asshole in the world down behind a microphone, and that doesn't make them a talk show host. That doesn't mean that they know where to draw the line, or they have any common sense or concept of the things that you say and the things that you don't say such as the irresponsible crap I heard about 7.15 this morning as I was sitting here downloading some stories. Anyway, here's the facts from our young African-American soldier. And by the way, I'd like to point this out to you, Howie. I guarantee we've got a lot more dark folks listening to this show right now than you'll ever have if you're on the air for like more than five more minutes. Guaranteed. We have many, many dark folks who listen to this show, and you know something? They understand this show. They understand the humor. they got a good sense of humor, which they have to have to survive. And this isn't uh, the Neil Rogers show, didn't just start when you came uh, flying into town, okay, sweetheart? I've been doing this stuff and trying to desensitize people and lighten them up a few shades for years on this program. And you can call it shtick or you can just plain shtick it if you like. But the fact is, no slob from uh, out of town with a bad hairpiece is going to come into this town with his lime green pants and tell Neil Rogers or anybody else, I don't think, what to say on the air. It isn't going to work, sweetheart. Not going to happen. I'm not worried about being politically correct. As a matter of fact, Bill Maher's getting fired, not because Politically Incorrect is out these days, but because it was a crappy show. Just keep that in mind, Howie, Moho, whatever the hell your name is. Just keep that in mind. People who do bad shows get canceled. Anyway, here's the facts from our young African American soldier. says, no collars, stay firm. Well, I'm trying. I'm squeezing it right now, although this time in the morning it's not too firm. It says, Neil, I don't know if you were listening to the station this morning. Yes, I was. But there was something said that really annoyed me. An asshole caller named Pat called in and jumped Howard about the race issue in reference to the reporting of the young Hispanic girl and her boyfriend being kidnapped on the beach and later the female killed. The caller was upset because Howard had not reported about the young black girl that was burned in a car a few nights ago. Well, first of all, she was Haitian. Secondly, I'm afraid of the entire report being released because neither the police nor we know the entire story. Two guys with a Jamaican accent and dreadlocks just don't walk up to a female for no reason, push her into a car and set it on fire. They've got better things to do, like monitor their street pharmaceutical sales. See, here's a guy who knows where it is, where it be at. Howard then, to suck the ass of the asshole, caller named Pat played a Barry White song, I guess to prove that he's not a racist. And then went on to say that he listened to that stuff on that very—he listens to stuff on that very station. And the guy would be shot in the head if it was any other place. Face it, he was talking about Mad Dog. <laughs> well, at least the African soldier got a good sense of humor. Why is it his responsibility to report on local news? He's being paid to talk sports. It sucks that he's making so much. And you are absolutely correct, sir. But talk sports, damn it! Why does he constantly try to slip in little innuendos to get at you or your show? Well, the fact of the matter is, he's an overgrown child. And there's nothing worse than people who live to be a certain age, like, you know, 65, 70, whatever he is, and just never outgrow their childishness because it comes back to ego. Here is a man who really, you know what he needs? He needs an ego transplant. He needs an ego adjustment. You know, they're always talking about having attitude adjustment. He needs an ego adjustment. Because those of us who've been in a business more than five minutes, we're not impressed by your ego, by your pomposity, Howard. We don't care. We don't give a crap. But anyway, the actual comment was in regard to that, in the context of that conversation about race and everybody. He's, he's saying that everybody is so sensitive now, which I find amusing because here's a guy that just a few months ago wrote this book called Nigger, and now we're desensitizing people from using that word. And the idea being, which I've been trying to do for years, using words like Kike and Spick and Nigger, uh, because they're just words. They're just words. It's desensitizing people to that stuff, so they're not all uptight and getting bad out of shape over just words. But here's a guy that says, well, we've got, and of course, it's never by name. He won't, he won't dignify me since the email episode by mentioning me by name on the air. And certainly not George. Not that little spick. I'm sorry. Under the guise of shtick, we've got uh, in certain day parts on this station somebody, if he was saying these things in other market, he would have a bullet through his head. I actually wrote it down just to make sure I got it fairly close. Of course, we could have the clip from the audio from on the air, but he's got everybody so intimidated in the other room who work on his show that they don't dare provide that audio to us, because then Howard would be running around. He'd be on the phone with Greg and with corporate and having a nervous breakdown, trying to get them fired, and we don't want to see that happen. So we don't really need to have the audio to play it, because I'm sure a few of you actually heard it. Under the guise of shtick, here's a guy, if he was saying these things in another market, he would wind up with a bullet through his head. The most irresponsible comment in the history of talk radio, Moho. And if it was coming from somebody that I uh, felt had any idea what they were doing, I might be concerned about it. Anyway, thanks to my afro soldier for your facts, because you're right on target. At least you got your thumb right on it. But I guess it's the uh, outpouring of frustration from the fact that George isn't getting suspended, George isn't getting fired, and we're not going to overreact to a bunch of baby crap. In fact, I'm not at liberty to tell you all of the stuff that's happened as a result of his tantrum so far and how it affected some of the people in our building. But needless, suffice it to say, there's been a lot of angst and anguish and wringing of hands in the uh, psychosis because of much ado about nothing. Grow up, sweetheart. That's my best suggestion to you. Check your ego at the door every morning when you walk in there. Grow up and maybe let Geldi say something once in a while. Even with that squeaky voice, he actually knows what the hell he's talking about on occasion, especially about hockey. I didn't hear anything about hockey this morning. I heard somebody hawking a Chinik about race and about politically correct, and everybody's a uptight and we're all sensitive. I, I don't think that's the case at all. And As f- a matter of fact, we're going to take a poll on that just to see whether I'm right or wrong and whether I'm some kind of a racist son of a bitch. Now, we have asked that in the past, but this is a little bit different. Not that long ago we asked whether I was a racist. Remember that? I do. Yes. But anyway, we, our question today, which is a little bit different, do you have any problem with Neil's comedy bits or comments about race? Eric, let's make sure that race is in capital letters, in dark black letter. I'm sorry, race. Here are your four choices. No, they're funny as hell. No, I agree with them. Yes, he's a racist. Or no, and Howard David is an asshole. Those are your four choices this morning. Do you have any problem with Neil's comedy bits or comments about race, race in italics or capital letters? I'll leave it up to you, Eric, since you're the expert at putting things in big, dark black. No, they're funny as hell. No, I agree with him. Yes, he's a racist, or no, and Howard David is an asshole. Those are your four choices. Let me see which one I'm going to vote for. I'm thinking. Twelve minutes after nine at five sixty, your family station, WQAM. <laughs> That's right, we're family, baby. We be family. See, and I wasted all that time talking about that crap. I got a lot of important stuff to take care of here today. You know what? I got some important stories. Oh, don't put any of these people on hold, Miguel. Don't don't waste your time. In fact, let me uh, let me take care of that one for you. There you go. Bye bye. No calls today. Remember that song, No Milk Today, with the Herman Hermits. Yes. There's a good bit for Broke Brian. No calls today, the callers uh, went away. We might something have one. Like that. We do. What is it called? It might be called No Calls. Huh? Yeah. I don't know. I'll find it. Or call <laughs> him. <laughs> when well, you work on it, okay, and you know something? The more I hear you uh, babbling about this and mumbling, I'm thinking maybe Moho's got a point. Just a joke. So how was the party last night? Fine. Wonderful. and. And you let me down again. Didn't I say, call me when the party started? I thought I said that. Oh, I'm sorry. Of course, that was Mel Green who said that. And look what happened to him. Got shot right in the head, right through the glasses. Hey, it's Howard.
4: Howard David. Tonight, a special History Channel presentation. A reenactment from the actual transcripts of the Tuskegee Airmen. Berlin, 1944. The German skies darken with the first all-black B-17
6: bomber squadron. Where are you or How are we be looking back now? a seconds for my pee. You can pee later. Just tell me when we're over the target. crew, we's got some problems. Yo. We ain't got no bombs. Huh? Oh, we got this bowl of melons. Well, now, uh, how'd that be? Well, they all green. We'll drop them anyway, on these coordinates. 567. Oh! Oh, my God! Let me
0: leave this. Huh? Oh, no, this was
4: amazing. The Tuskegee Airmen, Watermelon sortie tonight, only on the History Channel.
2: See, there you go again, you relentless son of a bitch, you racist bastard, you. 918 at 560 WQAM, maverick Dutch right-wing politician Pim Fortune has been shot dead nine days before a general election, which his party was expected to make big gains in the Nitalans. Fortune 54 was shot in the head and chest at least three times at close range, 6 p.m. yesterday, as he was leaving a radio station in Hilversum, 20 miles southeast of Amsterdam, at 12 miles southeast of Amsterdam. The killing is cast doubt over whether elections May 15 will actually go ahead. His death was officially announced later in the evening by Prime Minister Wim Koch. After this assassination, Pim Fortune is gone, Koch said in The Hague after breaking off a campaign engagement. This is a deep tragedy. I'm shocked. It's a tragedy for those close to him, for his loved ones, and for our country and our democracy, yada, yada. A man who was believed to have been carrying a gun is reported to have been arrested outside the media park in Hilversum. Journalist Sander Van Horn told CNN Fortune was shot in the head just behind his left ear and in his neck and his chest. <laughs> Fortune's spokesman, Matt Herbin, told Reuters the cigar-chomping politician had received regular death threats. Most Dutch political leaders travel without bodyguards, often using public transport. The only exceptions were Koch as head of government. Fortune, however, had his own bodyguards, and his party headquarters in Rotterdam were always guarded. He'd been involved in minor scuffles with protesters in the past. Opinion polls showed that Fortune's newly formed Leaf Bar Needleland Party... Livable Netherlands, running on an anti-immigration platform, was on course to win about 15% of the vote in parliamentary elections. CNN European political editor Robin Oakley said Fortune might have been part of a coalition government. Fortune, a former TV analyst, was a plain-speaking politician who targeted fears over immigration, saying that the Netherlands was full up. He criticized Muslims for not embracing Dutch culture. He also said that being gay, he would be persecuted in a Muslim country. He was a gay right-winger. Well, that's what he was. Fortunes rise mirrors a right-wing resurgence in several European countries, which we've talked about in France, et cetera, and so on. British Prime Minister Tony Blair canceled his visit to the Netherlands today, saying whatever feelings political figures arouse, the ballot box is the place to express them. In other words, please don't shoot me, is what he said. So there you go with that. And it goes to show you, crazy people with guns, no matter where they have them in the world, they are dangerous. Crazy people with guns. I just mentioned that for my good friend Glenn in Miramar, and please don't fax me, okay? i waste our fax paper. I just mentioned that for your benefit and all the other NRA gun-squeezing assholes out there. How's that new poll coming on there? Because this one I think is going to be pretty interesting. And I'm going to tell you right now, if I find that I'm offending a lot of people out there, I may have to reconsider those comedy bits, you know?
1: Don't you think?
2: Huh? Sure. Don't you think? Yeah. Let's scrap them all. Although it's funny, when we took the uh, poll about the comedy bits, about the Boca Brian bits a few days ago, what was the most popular one? The restitution song, Kiss a Nigger Good Morning, which was very funny to some people, including our new morning guy, up until those emails, that little incident. But now this is his way, like a little child, of getting back. Done in the name of shtick, ba pa ba 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 Hey, give it a rest, Howie, okay? Blow it out your ass. Pontificating, You know, I'm unimpressed. Anyway, a uh, car arson burns North Miami woman. And this is the story that they were saying, how come uh, he and the other media people weren't talking more about this? And also that little girl, which we have a story about. And the judge there about Rilia, a little five-year-old Rilia, Judge uh, Letterman. She's having a nervous breakdown. In fact, they keep showing her outburst on CNN this morning. Nice going. Let's vote for her. What do you say if she's an elected judge? She's the best. Absolutely. Now, What's happening on the poll? Is your screen blank on there now? Is he working on it? No, I. Well, oh, there it is. Okay. What did I tell you? I'm telling you, my psychic. How about yesterday? Remember, I was talking to you on the phone about various right. matters, and I mentioned Clarence's name, or uh, you know, who's taken over while Duff's on vacation, and I mentioned that, and I, the other phone rang, and who was it? Clarence. How do you like that? My psychic powers are—I put that Miss Cleo to shame, that bitch—and I wouldn't even have to rip anybody off. Let's put it on our website, Neil Psychic Reading, something like that. Let's see. Here's the initial seven votes on there you have any problems with Neil's comedy bits or comments about race? No, and Howard David's an asshole, three. No, they're funny as hell, two. No, I agree with them, one. And yes, he's a racist, one. I didn't know Howard had access to a computer this early. I guess maybe in a bullpen. Car arson burns North Miami woman. In North Miami, police are trying to piece together the events that led to 21-year-old Odeline Modestine almost being burned alive inside her car early Monday morning. Modestine's injuries were so severe she couldn't speak yesterday, so detective canvassed her North Miami neighborhood in interviewing relatives and neighbors and sifting through the charred remains of her green Toyota Camry. Lead detective Alonzo Reimer called the case very unusual. He said Modestine's family told police she arrived at her house on the 1300 block of Northeast 135th Street about 2 a.m. Monday, but soon went out to get a book from her car. That's when two men with dreadlocks who spoke with Jamaican accents... Yellon. Asked for her, came up to her and asked for her keys, Reimer said. When she refused, they ordered her inside the car, doused it with a flammable liquid and set it on fire. Laughing, they set the car on fire and ran, said Monestine's brother, Patrick's. That's when she got out of the car and started screaming. At first, we thought that she was crying because her car was burning. Yeah, on. But he quickly realized his sister's cries were due to her burning skin and not because of the flaming car. Unable to put his emotions into words, all her uh, father, Pierre Modestine, could say was that his daughter was studying to be a teacher. It's bad, very bad, as he motioned to these sections of the body where his daughter was burned, face, neck, torso, arms, and legs. Odeline Modestine was in critical yet stable condition late Monday at Jackson Memorial Hospital's Ryder Trauma Center, with burns covering more than 36% of her body. Neighbors said they smelled what they thought were chemicals or wires burning. We thought maybe it was an air conditioner. Then we heard this boom, said Rudvy Taylor, who was staying with nearby relatives. When we went outside and saw it was a fire, we didn't know the girl was in the car. Modestine recently graduated from Miami-Dade Community College and is majoring in secondary education at FIU. At Miami-Dade, she was introduced to a high school friend who would eventually become her husband. Elsie Colin, 25, and Monestine were married Friday in a private civil ceremony, he said. The first time he saw her, he told her he was going to marry her. Monday when he saw her at the hospital, he wasn't sure what to say. She doesn't think she's going to be the same, he said. On Saturday, the day after their wedding, here comes the very suspicious part. The day after their wedding, the back seat of Monestine's car was slashed. Police are looking for a possible connection between the two incidents, said North Miami Police spokeswoman Kathleen Ruggiero. Colin said he doesn't have any idea who might do this. She didn't have any enemies. How do you like that? Huh. So a couple of Jamaican scumbags. I just mentioned that in passing. Now, is that a racial comment when I say that? Yeah, sure. Who cares? No, it's not. No matter who the hell did it, they did it. Oh, I thought you were talking about the word Jamaican. Don't pick up? What is that? Oh, I don't pick up. Is that to the tune yeah. of uh, Don't Hang Up by the Orlans? See, now only Booker Bryan and, and I remember Don't Hang Up by Little Eva and the... Uh, no, that was uh, the cookies. Little Eva and the cookies. But the Orlans did Don't... Uh, Hang up. Oh, don't pick up. Is that what it's called? Don't That's pick what up. That's what I find out. Right.
0: Don't pick up. No, no. Who needs those chronic callers? Don't pick up. No, no. The same assortment of assholes that always call you on the phone want to hear their voice on the radio. Don't pick up, they contribute nothing to the show, don't pick up, no, no, the show sounds fine this way, don't pick up,
7: no, no,
0: we've already heard it all, thank God, Neil, God has the all, to do his show without the call, don't pick up, let them go. Something else to do. No more chronic losers like the guy with the eyes. No Paul Harvey Jr. too. And Eddie's gone. Thanks to you. Don't pick up. No, oh, no. We like the way it's going. Don't pick up. No, oh, no. What more can these morons add to are you a much packet bag? Or can I call someone not In their place, the fax machine
2: will do. Oh! Excellent. Good timing. 927 at
1: 560
8: WQM. It's number one. Oh! We're number one. Sports Radio
0: 560 QAM. Hey,
8: it's Howard. Howard Spam.
2: Okay, let me just interrupt to read a very important fact here. It says, Daniel, please don't play that song that goes kiss A and blank, 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 good morning. I listen from work, and there are a lot of colored people here. Yesterday, I caught myself singing that song out loud. God damn it, I'm going to get fired. And by the way, F. Mo. P.S., it's a freaking catchy song, Love, Wee Wee. Love, comma, wee wee. That wasn't like an editorial comment, as in love, wee wee.
4: They want us to find a way to reimburse for back pay. Yes. From 200 years ago when they were slain.
8: Loan me $50.
4: When well, I only have a mobile home, a pit bull and a pinch of gold. So if you wanna ask me how, here's what I gotta say. You've got to kiss a nigger good
7: morning. Alright.
4: Tell him that you're sorry for enslaving them on. Kiss a nigger good morning. And that's where everybody too dead and gone. If I was born in 1802, holding slaves ain't something I do. But what for dead people did to you? I have to take the blame. Would you settle for an old act? With a can of smelly cherry and pack Instead of 40 acres and a mule I have a better way You've got to Kiss a nigger good morning I want to give you a kiss And one on Halle Berry, Morgan Freeman too Alright Kiss a nigger good morning And that's your restitution for a slave you Kiss a nigger good morning and tell
9: that you're sorry for enslaving
2: them all. Yeah, got nigger good yeah, that's for everybody who is dead and gone. There you go, Wee Wee, that's for you, 932-560. Father Shanley is getting arraigned there in Cambridge, Mass.
9: Tonight, that he is dumbfounded by apparently a new batch of documents that have been unearthed uh, at the Archdiocese of Boston on Monday. Uh, what we do know so far is the documents that have been released by the archdiocese have been incredibly uh, damaging. Uh, they oh, show yeah. that Shanley advocated sex between children and adults and that he was an early adherent of a group that later became the North American man. Yeah, Boy. we know all
2: that, Paul. That's old stuff. Okay, Give us something new. Give us something exciting and new that we don't already know, bitch. God, that Paul is on, man. Barbie doll. And Are you watching CNN? Right now. You see that he's standing there with that look on his puss? Man. What a model, pasty old troll. Oh, brother, old troll is an understatement of the century. And they were reading documents before during the break. I was listening to some of the audio about uh, some of the documents that were passed from uh, the Archdiocese, from the Honorable Cardinal Law, and back and forth from this one and that one, about, well, how he had plans to like live in a uh, foreign country and like to be anonymous and with a P.O. box in the U.S., which probably would be the best uh, advice at this time, et cetera. And so, in other words, let's ship him off somewhere where he can go hide instead of putting him in jail where he belongs. Well, guess what? Did it work? No. No, thank goodness. Thank the Lord. Thank you. No, good Right. Scumbag. Uh, I know from the
8: materials that I've had an opportunity to review here for the first time this morning. Oh, this is
2: a, this is his lawyer. How'd you like to be his attorney, huh? How'd you like to be in this poor guy's shoes? No thanks. Representing a uh, serial child molester, scumbag son of a bitch. Anyway, hey, the second annual Goldie's Gang Golf Classic, benefiting underprivileged children in South Florida, is coming up Friday, June twenty-first. At the Inverary Golf Country Club, 75 bucks a player, two-man scramble. For more info, call 305-650-0163, or you can get more information about it on the QAM website, wqam.com. That's coming up June 21st, Friday, Inverary Country Club, 75 bucks a player. So uh, you got a lot of time, and I'm going to stick that back here. We'll give some promos, because Gildy's a good guy, right? Even with a squeaky voice, we like Gildy, and what a shame he has to work with that uh, piece of turd. Speaking of race, court rules against doctor's will that required money to be spent on white patients. This is quite a story. Yeah. Thanks very much again to my Boston.com fanatic out there who keeps faxing me this stuff every day. That is a great website. It's the Boston Globe ongoing, in other words, current news stuff that keeps coming off from the Boston Globe site. Boston.com. Anyway, Baltimore, Maryland appeals courts ended a legal battle over a doctor's will that left several million dollars to a home for the elderly but required that the money be spent on new building for white patients. The Maryland Court of Appeals ruled yesterday that such provisions are illegal and cannot be enforced by the state's courts. The ruling addressed the 1962 will of Dr. Jesse Coggins. He left money to the Keswick Multicare Center in Baltimore, but attached the stipulation that the money go to white patients who need physical rehabilitation. That would be like if I left uh, all my money, what I have left after Mitch Hirsch uh, decimated my uh, portfolio. Well, I left all my money after I croaked, after I take that bullet to the head, uh, to like uh, golden retrievers, you know. You see what I'm saying? Yes. Although you can't do that, can't you? I guess, yeah, sure. Why well, not? no, because they have like Doberman Rescue. The dogs have like various, I'm not comparing dogs with people, but I'm just pointing out that you could do that and nobody could make a big stink about it. Well, how come we can't separate the money? About, well, anyway. In its ruling, the Court of Appeals held that the center was entitled to about $30 million. The ruling overturned a 99-circuit court decision that went against the uh, care center, which has contended for years it should not lose the money simply because it does not discriminate on the basis of race. The will provided that if the center follows the provisions, the money should go to the University of Maryland medical system instead. Judge John Elridge wrote that the question was whether a court will enforce the racially discriminatory condition by ordering that the proceeds be paid to the alternative beneficiary. Our answer to this question shall be, no. Elridge wrote, instead the provisions of the will should be applied to without giving any effect to the word white, without the word white in there. So in other words, some Schwarzes, some Chinese, some Japanese, some Hondurans, some Mexicans, some Cuban people might get it instead of just white people. Former South Florida altar boy says he was forced into orgies with priests. This from the Sun Sentinel. Boy. Hollywood. Florida, no less. A former altar boy sued the Vatican, the Archdiocese of Miami, and two Roman Catholic priests yesterday saying he was forced to participate in orgies with priests as a teenager 30 years ago. The new lawsuit filed against Father Ricardo Castellanos and Father Alvaro Guichard is in connection with a three-decade-old sexual abuse case, according to the law offices of Herman and Mermelstein, which is located on Sterling Road, probably not too far from Mommy's house on Sterling Road. You know Sterling Road. Very well. You know the Ark? Of course. Don't eat there. Never been there. Good. Don't eat there. The former altar boy is 45-year-old Jose Albino Corias, Jr. He's the second male to come forward, claiming he was the victim of the two priests while they worked in the Church of the Little Flower in Coral Gables. The suit alleges Corias, then around 15, was sexually abused by the two priests, then forced to join a sex ring and sexually service visiting priest over a three-year period. Oh, i got to read that line again. Please. The suit alleges Corias, then around 15, was sexually abused by two priests, then forth to join a sex ring and sexually service visiting priests over a three-year period. Correa said he told numerous people over the years about the abuse, including friends and his therapist, but never went public because of the shame. I didn't want to be here. I don't want to be here. I'm here to stop this from happening to other kids, Correa said, noting that Castellanos and Guichard are still priests in South Florida. Correa, maybe I'm pronouncing that right wrong. It's C-U-R-R-A-I-S, Correa. You got me. Well, whatever. He also said he could have sued anonymously, but the only way to handle this is to confront this and say my name. Correa specifically charges that both Castellanos and Guichard hosted orgies at the Church of the Little Flower, where the priest had sex with numerous teenage boys. Correa also alleges Castellanos operated a teenage prostitution ring, where he and other boys had sex with visiting seminarians from Rome. The abuse occurred between 1971 and 74. He said he's seeking unspecified damages in the suit, which was filed in Circuit Court in Fort Lauderdale yesterday. Archdiocese of Miami spokeswoman Mary Ross Augusta said yesterday she couldn't comment on the allegations because the archdiocese, of course, hasn't yet received a copy of the lawsuit. Wishard now works at St. Francis de Sales Catholic Church in Miami Beach, Castellanos is pastor at San Isidro Catholic Church in Pompano Beach. The new allegations against the two priests came just two weeks after Rita Chinchilla and Miguel Chinchilla Sr. Coral Gables filed a lawsuit in Dade Circuit Court alleging that Miguel Chinchilla Jr. was repeatedly molested in the 70s by two priests who remain active in the local archdiocese. Chinchilla Jr. died in 1993 at age 31 after years of drug abuse and promiscuous sex that his family said was triggered by the abuse. Church officials in Miami denied the charges, as did Guichard and Castellanos. All of them said the family is hoping to make money. They specifically point to a 1988 affidavit signed by Chinchilla Jr. in which he exonerated the priest and said he was pressured by a therapist to make up the allegations. And, of course, that was later. That story was later recanted. So there you go. You believe whoever you want, okay? I would say that their thre- their credibility at this point, a, a little bit thin, right. The church I'm talking about. Just a little bit thin. Any of them. Any of them men in dresses. There's Father Shanley. The greatest physical uh health. Who pleads innocent. Who has no inclination to run? Right. Lock the door and throw away the key, just like I'm guiding light, okay?
9: Want a lollipop, little boy?
7: Hey, wait, wait. Yes. look at who that is. Everybody look at who that is.
6: Lordy, Lordy, look at who that is, Daddy Willis T. Ribs. He's a racing wiz, race around in his car that is, the race driver that never wins, Daddy Willis T. Ribs. Now, see here, all you kids, they call me Mr. Ribs. One day soon I'll win a race in my Rocket 88. Oh, well, uh, hey, baby, you sure look fine today. Uh-huh,
9: Mr. Ribs. You win
6: the race. Oh, well, I came in at 35th place. Well, you earned yourself some
9: ribs
6: on a plate. Well, get that honey, and How's about a date? uh uh-uh. uh ain't gonna take that chance. Mm-hmm. Not if you keep coming in last. Is that why you don't go out with me? You ain't too slow. You can't compete. Well, I may be slow on the street, but I should be fast on my feet.
2: 946, happy Tuesday to you here on 560 QM. we got the Mad Dog, Jim Mandich at 1. Hank is uh, back from Louisville. Hank will be on from 3 to 6.30. Baseball, pregame at 6.30. The Padres in town to play the Florida baseball team at uh, 7.05. 80K after baseball, and Joe and Mark, the Dirty Boys, overnight 2 to 6 in the AM. And then we start all over 6 o'clock in the morning with Mohon. Seven hundred and fifty thousand dollars bail, they what a prosecutor wants for uh, Reverend Chanley.
1: Witness, alleged victim, or witness. In-
2: How do you like that? I sure hope the arts dicey's done all of a sudden find that money real quick. Since they're crying poor mouth to the victims, and Cardinal Law is making it up as he goes along. But a beep, bada boop—it's that stuff. Here's a fax. Did you read this before you faxed this to me? Yes, I did. Here's an idea for a new poll: ways to get rid of moho and Howard. Now, see, first of all, I don't. Unlike other people on the station. I don't try to get anybody fired, either George or anybody else, including some of the other hosts. I've never played that game before. I'm not going to start now. But nevertheless, here's an interesting list. One, choke him with his wig. Two, send him on a weekend trip to the Middle East. Three, sit him in a room alone and make him listen to the best of the Mo Show. That should be painful. Four, hang him by his nuts. Oh, never mind, he doesn't have any. See? These are uh, nasty, vicious. In fact, you know what they are, George? They're not nice. No, they're not. Signed from a Mo hater. P.S. I'm Hispanic and think you're hilarious and do not find you racist. So tell Mo to uh, kiss your ass.
7: You can kiss my rear end.
2: There you go, Mo. That's for you, sweetheart. Kiss my fat old pimply ass. On second thought, stay the hell away. DCF worker told judge five-year-old Rilia was fine after her disappearance. He said, Oh, we're fine. Oh, yeah. Miami. On this this judge, Judge Led- Letterman. Am I pronouncing that right? Or is it Lederman? I don't know. L-E-D-E-R-M-E-N. I think it's Letterman. I think it's Lederman. No relation to David. Misspelling. Jewish. A child welfare worker in charge of a missing five-year-old girl told a judge during the 16 months after the child's disappearance that the girl was just fine, the judge said yesterday.
4: Oh, we're fine.
2: Nearly two months after William Wilson was last seen in January of 2001, caseworker Deborah Muskelly, circuit judge Cindy Letterman, ruled the child was in daycare. What is it? Caseworker Deborah Muskelly told Circuit... I say I left the word out, didn't I? That's because of this damn uh, article. That's because of the Sun Sentinel, okay? You know, when you print stuff out off your website at the Sun Sentinel, every now and then it leaves words off the edge of the page, and it makes it, like, in- undecipherable, and it makes everybody look like an ass, okay? I just mentioned that for the Sun Sentinel that really doesn't care about details and making mistakes. In a report submitted August thirty first, 2001, Muskelly said Williams' custodian was addressing her needs, the juvenile court judge said. Aside from everything else, she misrepresented the child's well-being to this court, Letterman said, and she was smoking. She was pissed off. In case you haven't seen that video about 500 times, she was fired up and pissed off. Detectives are now treating Rilia's disappearance as a possible homicide. Investigators are waiting for DNA test results from police in Kansas City, Missouri, to see if a girl found beheaded there last April was Rilia. The actions of Muskelly, who resigned in March for her performance in other cases, are among the targets of an investigation into Rillia's whereabouts. It is absolutely despicable what happened in this case, Judge Letterman said. Despicable. The judge said Rillia was ultimately the court's responsibility, but said she held the Department of Children and Families to blame and hinted that Muskelly could face charges of perjury and making false statements. Ed Griffith, a state attorney's office spokesman, declined to comment whether Muskelly is facing any charges, calling it a broad, ongoing investigation. The Department of Children and Families said Saturday that now it will require supervisors as well as caseworkers to visit every child's home and caregivers and children old enough to write will be required to sign a log after every visit. They're going to make them sign their log. I think that's what the priests were doing, too, weren't they? They said, here, sign this, son. Sign my log. God. And like I told you last week when everybody was getting all psychotic and it was a horrible story about the girl that got killed and her boyfriend with his next life. Crap happens every single day. There's more and more of these stories, whether they're white, Hispanic, they're black, whatever they are. It's grotesque and barbaric and unacceptable, but it's part of the American effing way. It's just it's life, life and death, because it's a violent society with a bunch of animals running around with no respect for human life. Four priests of the Joliet Diocese accused of sexual misconduct have been relieved of their duties, bringing to ten the number of priests the diocese has removed amid a sexual scandal roiling the church. Diocese officials said yesterday, roiling. Don't you like that word? It's like boiling, but better. Isn't that what they say in that CCR song, roiling, roiling, da 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 da, da. Yeah. I think that's what they'd be saying. Maybe they're just not pronouncing it right. See, there he goes again. How's that poll coming before I continue with this story? Do you have any problems with Neil's comedy bits or comments about race? Race. Not the horse race. Not the derby. Race. Not pop Park. And here's the results so far out of 109 votes. No, and Howard David is an asshole, 65. That seems to be leading by a large margin. Uh, No, they're uh, funny as hell, 32. Yes, he's a racist, 8. And no, I agree with him, 4. So 101 are like, uh, you know, don't have any problem with it. And then there's 8 folks out there who are still listening, but they think it's racist. They think it'd be bad. Anyway, getting back to this story from uh, Joliet, Illinois. Last month, don't you love people that say Illinois? No, I I hate them. Oh, and there's another thing about people from the Midwest, not that I want to generalize, but they have this way of pronouncing words like M-I-L-K. They pronounce the I as an E. They say milk. Yeah. Have you ever heard people do that? Yes, I have. Yeah. Why do they do that? I don't Just know. like when Bill Cullen on uh, Price is Right. I loved Bill Cullen on the original Price is Right, but he was from uh, the Pittsburgh area. And there's another Midwestern affectation they have, like in Pittsburgh, which is not really the Midwest, but it's kind of like sometimes lumped in with it for some reason. And uh, say, he used to say dollars instead of dollars. 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 Why do some
5: people down here say Miami? Oh,
2: because they're yahoos. Yahoos. But if they're not old crackers, even Irv Schindler, an old Jew that used to work with me on K.A.T., he used to say, W.K.A.T., Miami Beach, Miami And that's because he's a good old Southern Jew, I guess, that he would say that. Can I get back to this story, please, since we've only got 7,000 child molesting stories? Last month, in a delayed response to lawsuits brought by alleged victims, Bishop Joseph Imesh of Joliet turned church files over to local prosecutors covering all cases of alleged sexual abuse by priests. No charges have yet been brought against them. Imesh and Auxiliary Bishop Roger Caffer informed parishioners of the affected churches during Mass on Sunday. Those removed were Father Edward Poff. A semi-retired priest who assisted with masses at Saint Pat's Church in Jolieta was accused in 1994. Father Lowell Fisher. Oh, and it goes on with a bunch of names of people that you know who you all know who they are. Just a bunch of child molesters alleged. Here's another one. Ah, oh, geez. And you know when you're hearing all these stories and they're coming from all these different parts of the country, you're wondering well, one of the stories going to come in from Green Bay and Kalamazoo and Rochester and Albany and you see what I'm saying in Sioux City. We're only hearing a uh, selected group, and obviously, wherever there are priests, there are pedophiles. I hate to make that generalization, but I think I am... Absolutely correct, sir. I think I'm safe in saying that, since there seems to be this epidemic. For example, here's another one from Charlotte. Didn't we have one last week from Charlotte? I think we did. Because I was talking about the Carolinas and your affinity for North Carolina, because uh, you have a place up there, and it's cheap. In the mountains, right, and it's cheap, and there's no people around. A sixth priest in the Roman Catholic Diocese of Charlotte's been accused of sexual misconduct. How do you like that? Oh! Diocese spokeswoman John Joanne Keene said yesterday the report stems from alleged cases of sexual abuse that occurred nearly 40 years ago involving a priest who has since died. She said the diocese is required by law to turn over the allegation to a... Well, we don't care about that. You know what I mean? That's not worth our time. We don't have time for uh, that crap. There's too many dead child molesters. Let's stick with the ones who are alive. And, for example... Oh, yeah. Here's here's my favorite. This is the priest story of the day. Oh, Even more exciting than uh, Reverend Shanley getting... Uh, Indicted. Hung on the cross there in Cambridge. Well, I was going to say a rain, but that's not fun, you know. He's getting nailed to the cross. Wouldn't that be great? you think they would burn him at the at the stake in Boston, like down there in front of a right in the middle of Copley Square, like I said the other day? I think that would be great. In fact, I'd like the match. It burns. Priest resigns over a Mardi Gras picture. This is one of the great stories in the history of mankind. It's short. Huma, Louisiana. I wonder where the hell that is. H O U M A. Am I pronouncing that right? <laughs> no clue. Huma, 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 Huma. <laughs> In fact, you know, the first person that ever told me about that place was Rimmer. Come on, come on, come on, come on. Yeah, that's what he said. That's what he called it. Anyway, Huma, Louisiana. And see when you're Louisiana, don't make any difference how you pronounce names anyway, because everybody there is pretty much illiterate. A Roman Catholic priest has resigned as pastor of a church after a coffee table book showed him shirtless in a Mardi Gras crowd next to a drag queen and well muscled men in biking shorts. Oh the Reverend Thomas Boteri, forty seven pastor of the Saint Louis Church in Bayou Blue. Oh, I love them. New Orleans names, don't you? Bayou Blue appeared in the book Masking and the Madness. The Diocese of Huma. Oh, I see. It's also, it's like a, one of those, like Nina Manasha, Wisconsin. The Diocese of Huma Thebido feels mm-hmm. that these photographs could be a source of scandal for some and thus prevent Father Buttery from effectively exercising his ministry. Well, that, that has like a little lilt to it, doesn't it? A little. Prevent Father Boudry from effectively exercising his ministry. Diocese spokesman Louis Aguirre said in a statement on Monday, yesterday. In a statement, Boudry said no allegations of abuse of any kind have been made against him. The photos were taken last year in New Orleans' French Quarter, which is known for raucous partying on Mardi Gras and lots of faggery and drag queens and stuff like that. Professor Richard Luquette said he was troubled by Votary's resignation. If you're going to judge somebody's dress at Mardi Gras, you must not be from here, Luquette said. If Jesus came to Mardi Gras, where would he be? I have a feeling he'd be right there. That's right, right next to the drag queen and the well-muscled men in biking shorts. Right no. about that? Oh! You bet. Don't he'd you be think a, he'd be there? He'd be on a float. In fact, didn't they always say that Jesus was coming back on a motorcycle? And for Wilder, Jazz McKay was trying to uh, you know, claim that he was, uh, he was, he'd was was He be him for a little while. There. And I think the Cox people were buying it until they open up that crypt. A state judge yesterday ordered Cardinal Law to be deposed tomorrow in the sex abuse case of defrocked priest John Gagan. Suffolk Superior Court Judge Constance Sweeney, who's also, by the way, pissed off, just like Judge Letterman, ordered law to answer questions in the case tomorrow morning, but denied a request by plaintiff's attorney Mitch Garabedian that law be required to post a $10 million bond if he left the state. Sweeney said the court had significant concerns whether law would be available for deposition unless it was ordered soon. His choice of whether he, uh, he's available for deposition is not entirely belonging to him, she said. If the Pope tells him to go to Rome, he goes. She denied a request by the Archdiocese for a seven-day notice before the deposition. Garabedian, who represents 86 alleged victims of Gigan, was pressing on with litigation following Friday's decision by the Archdiocese to back out of a settlement agreement. The Archdiocese Finance Council rejected the settlement agreement with Garabedian's clients because of concern about the growing number of people alleging clergy abuses. we reported yesterday. they've only got 30 million, it might be like hundreds of millions. Meanwhile, another attorney representing 150 alleged sex abuse victims wrote to the Archdiocese of Boston to suggest a mediator be appointed to provide a vehicle for those alleged victims who want to settle their cases. The lawyer, Roderick McLeish, said many clients intended to pursue lawsuits, especially after the Archdiocese backed out of its settlement in the Gagan case on Friday. So Cardinal Law, unless he's shipped off to Rome in the interim, will be, uh, be he's going to testify with the parliaments tomorrow morning. How do you like that? Right. He's going to have to be given a sworn deposition. Is he going to swear on the Bible? I guarantee it ain't the first time he's swearing, especially lately.
1: Were you fudge packing?
0: My him? guest tonight is the rare person who wouldn't have to change her name if she became a porn star. <laughs> Jules is here. Yeah. Where's the weirdest place you've ever had sex?
10: <laughs> I love sex.
0: Really? really? Yes. Oh. That's cool. Right. <laughs> There's something you practice every day?
10: Mm-hmm.
0: Where do you fall? I mean, are you good at it? Or? Uh, um, yeah. Yeah, sure. I'm so good
10: at it now. All
0: right. <laughs> Can you show me? <laughs> I'm
10: serious. Yeah. Oh, my God. Oh, my God. So naughty, you guys. Are you all right? Mm-hmm. Are you pissed off? No. You should have sex in as many places as possible. Right. I just... everybody.
2: All right. Hopefully not with Carson Daly, though. We pray for that. It's a 1002 at 560 WQM. Happy Tuesday to you. Guess what's starting right now? Oh, there's Judge Letterman again.
9: About the status and well-being and placement of this child for one year. Why would you think I would allow the department to remove this child's sibling without my consent? Why would you even think that? And why would you try? What is the department hiding?
2: I got a girl. You go, girl. Well, she's the best, isn't she? I love that. <laughs> they keep showing that over and over again. As poor, Ralia, I mean, I don't think you see her no more, you know? little five-year-old girl, and and I don't care what anybody says, but the fact of the matter is, George and I were discussing this before the show today, she's considered to be, well, like another little crack baby, and nobody cares, and we can't find a real father, and a mother, and a grandma, and, you know, just another little kid lost in the system, uh, vanished. Pathetic. And what I started to say is, Michael Skakel, uh, Skakel's murder defense could get a boost if members of the famous Kennedy clan to show up to support their relative, it says. This is from the AP, but... Prosecutors have their own asset in a charming and graceful woman who generates widespread sympathy. The uh, trial is starting right now, this hour. Let's hear it. Oh! Finally. You think they're going to ever convict a Kennedy of anything? I don't think so. Maybe this time. Dor- just this once. I don't think so. Dorothy Moxley, whose daughter Martha was bludgeoned to death with the golf club in 75, is expected to be the first prosecution witness to testify as Scakel's murder trial starts in just a matter of moments, this hour. This hour. Get on the edge of your seats. Moxley is not expected to offer concrete evidence... Though her diminutive presence looms large, she campaigned, that sounds like something Defoe would say, looms large, she campaigned for nearly 27 years to find her daughter's killer. Michael Sherman, Skakel's defense attorney, has recognized the sympathy factor. He repeatedly asked uh, prospective jurors if they'd be swayed by a desire to provide Moxley closure, even if the state could not prove its case. Closure. As Uh in, close your mouth, you're driving us nuts. I just think it's important for the jurors to understand it. To acquit Michael Skakel, they're going to have to look at her and make her unhappy, Sherman said. She's a factor in this case. I think it's better to address it than to ignore it. Now 41, Michael Skakel is accused of killing Martha Moxley when the defendant and victim were 14-year-old, uh, 15-year-old neighbors. Skakel is the nephew of Ethel Kennedy, who's crazier than a bed bug, by the way, and talks to Bobby through the psychics, through the mediums. She ought to be on that show. What's that quack show, which I still have no idea why, they, why they're after Miss Cleo, and yet they let this asshole on the day? Crossing uh, over. What is that show? Crossing it's over Jonathan with John Edwards. Edwards. Cro-
5: who, that's not his name real name? name. Crossing over with John, John Edwards. Oh. His real name is John McGee.
2: What a, how can they put that on the air and assholes watching that crap? Talking to dead people on the air. That's even worse than the IMA show. At least he's got a few live people on with him, like that news guy that sucks his ass every day and his brother Fred on the phone who we never see. Probably just as well. So anyway, there you go. The Skakel trial is getting underway. The There's a little something to sink your teeth into while we wait for the Robert Blake trial, where George is going to go and personally testify that the bitch deserved it. In fact, you know something? You really blew it because you should have taken a suspension. You could have taken some time off if you could like picked the dates, you know. <laughs> no, seriously, you could you could have had them fly you out there. I'm sure they would have loved to have a witness for the Blake side. They need all the help they can get. Had you go out there and say, hey, she's a piece of crap, she's trailer trash, she's a devious, uh, dangerous bitch. Uh, a scamster, bitch. a con artist. A scamster, right? Here's that more on that story, like right here where I am, eh? Which I told you about a couple of weeks ago, and it's coming to a head. I better not say head in conjunction with the story. That's a bad choice of words. In order to get a prom date, Mark Hall has a court date. The gay Oshawa teen, that's Oshawa, Ontario, right up the road, eh? From me. The Oshawa, uh, Ontario teen, has taken a fight to have his boyfriend accompany him to a dance to the Ontario Superior Court in Whitby. The Durham Catholic School Board has already vetoed the idea, claiming it's against the homosexual lifestyle. See, what I don't understand is, are they, they going to have, like, sex at the prom? No. I don't think so. So what all difference does it make? Hall feels he's been discriminated against on the basis of sexual orientation and is seeking $100,000 in damages. You go, boy. He believes his chances are good. I have my tuxedo, and I'm getting a limo soon, so I'm pretty optimistic. So is his lawyer, David Elliott, who argues the board's position violates the Charter of Rights and Freedoms. This notion that somehow because of the Constitution, Catholic schools are above the law is just wrong, he insists, and we have a public policy in Ontario that says that discrimination based on sexual orientation is wrong, and that applies to Catholic schools. Lawyers for the school board get their say today. A quick decisions imperative, the prominent Monsignor John Parima Catholic S- uh, Secondary School is scheduled for this Friday. So we'll keep you posted on that, okay? Because I know everybody's on pins and needles waiting to hear about that. Aren't you? Absolutely. But there's an interesting line in there from that attorney, David Elliott, who says, the notion that somehow because of the Constitution, Catholic schools are above the law is just wrong. And, of course, isn't that what we hear, like with this business about canon law? And, well, we'll just ship them off and we'll do this or we'll just, uh, you know, we'll, we'll defrock them or something like that. As opposed to anybody else, the bricklayer, the plumber, the radio sales guy, anybody in, uh, down the streets, if they molest a the kid, they're going to jail for 20 years at least and uh, lock the door and throw the key away. This idea, once again, you know, it's not just enough that they don't pay taxes and they can go on and, like, uh, con the public with all this fakery and just fleece the money out of their pockets. That's not bad enough. But hey, we're above the law, baby. We make our own laws. We'll decide, and we'll uh, sit around and you know talk to the old man over there and see if he'll uh, let us do anything about it, or not, as the case may be, depending on who's pulling his strings and how things are in Sicily this week. In Sicilia. Yeah, let me show you Sicily. <laughs> Tyson, I better get to this story now because I don't want to get, I don't want to, I, I don't want to let down my dark folks out there. Myth or reality, do black men have larger penises? This was fact to me by one of our chronic factors yesterday. Now, is this picking on dark folks to talk about this or not? Because it seems to me that if uh, black people have larger penises, black men anyway, I'm not sure about the women, but if black men have larger penises, that that's probably a, a feather in their cap or something like that. Yeah. Oh, there's Michael Scakel going
9: to the court. Skakel's brother, Tommy, and tutor, Ken Littleton. Littleton will likely take the stand early on in the trial. Prosecutors granting him full immunity.
2: NASDAQ's down another 12 and a half points. We can make it to the 1400s by the end of the day. Anybody got any money left? No. No. All the people from CNBC, we want to know when your trial starts. We want to know when your ass is all going to be in jail. All you fakers, all you fraudmeisters, speaking of Miss Cleo, she's a piker compared to them and the fraud that they helped to uh, barbiturate. No question about it. They put one over on the public, all that bull crap about, well, you know, P.E. ratios don't mean anything, and the new uh, economy, all this other crap. And then all of a sudden, uh, guess what? Oh, yeah, the bubble burst, sorry. And all those people at those brokerage houses like Merrill Lynch and the other ones who were touting stocks to their clients while behind closed doors, they were saying, it's a piece of crap, you know, things like that. Major, major fraud. And you know something? I thought that certain people, I don't want to mention Mitch Hirsch and others, were saying before the election a year and a half ago, I thought they were saying that the, the market wanted Bush. Isn't that what they were saying? That's what they heard. Maybe this wasn't the Bush that they were thinking about. He was good for the economy because big business wanted Bush. They wanted all those nice tax cuts, which he's doing the best to give them. But nevertheless, everything continues getting worse and worse. We didn't like those eight years of prosperity. Things were going a little bit too well. Thanks a lot, Al Gore. Thanks a lot, Julie Lieberman. Thanks a lot, uh, Ralph Nader. And thanks a lot, all you illiterate idiots out there that punched Pat Buchanan in Palm Beach. Thank you very much for helping give us this crap, this dreck, this right-wing twisted swill. So what do you think? Should we do the story about the black penises or not? I think it's a a long story. Yeah. Then you might have to take a break first. Let's see. Here's another one from an everyday listener in Miami. You left a choice off the poll. You forgot to ask if we think they're funny and you're a racist. (laughs) Hey, don't be picky with my poll, okay? One thing about this kid, I do good poll. Believe you me, I've been told by many, I do some of the best poll anywhere. So don't be giving me a bunch of crap. But that's a good point. We could we could have put a whole variety of them on there, but let's keep it simple. Four nice choices. Don't you think that's a good number? It doesn't make it too complicated. we got 171 votes out there already in much less than an hour. Do you have any problems with Neil's comments? Or a comedy bits about race. In other words, about dark folks and white folks and stuff like that. And, of course, race doesn't just mean about black people. How about the trailer trash stuff that we play about white trash? Isn't that, like, also racial stuff? It's cultural, anyway. It's racial, man. White is a race. Of course, you wouldn't know that because you're Cuban. Oh, I wouldn't know that. Anyway, would you. Uh, let me. can I give the results and don't start getting all defensive again? You and that team up with, the, with your buddy there, you know? Or I'm going to have to talk to uh, Greg again. And if there's one thing I'd like you to keep in mind... Greg hates you. Okay? I don't want to get you nervous again, now that we got you off the hook. I'll never forget. Do you have any problems? With, I mean, to, I, seriously, I want to say this to the audience right now. To think that this man who's worked this show for 10 years, who maybe he mumbles a lot, okay, he never stole a freight train, he may not be the most dynamic guy you'll ever meet, to say the very best, but the fact of the matter is to think that he was on verge and had a virgin head of... Crap his pants, who just his wife had that unwanted baby and put his uh, whole life in a ringer. And, uh, you know, his life is flashing before his eyes. That he had to go through all kinds of crap because we got an egotistical, arrogant, uh, humorless, pompous ass that came in and out of, from out of town in the morning to think that this guy had to have his job threatened over a bunch of baby crap, over a few silly emails, is unconscionable. Unconscionable. See, and I'm not going to pay back stupidity with more stupidity because there's nothing worse than being stupid. But I will say this, that maybe a public hanging may be in order, or at least a threat of it. Because there are a lot of people who would love to be hung, speaking of black penises. Anyway, can I give the poll result before I do the break, please? Please. Because you're getting me sidetracked. I'm getting all emotional about this crap. And I shouldn't get emotional. I should consider the source. And I'll tell you one thing. Did I have this guy pegged right from the get-go or what after those first couple days on the air? Did I have him pegged? Oh, that's right. You can't speak. Well, you can speak now. You're off the hook. They can't start all over again. They can't bring back... You. What do they call it? Like a double jeopardy? No. Isn't that yeah. what the... <laughs> yeah, I don't think that applies, applies calls here. calls a double jeopardy. And that is one of your favorite shows. Only suits watch that show. It's for idiots. Can't anyway, we all just get along? Can't we get along? Will you stop promoing this story about long black penises? Do you have any problems with it? Well, I guess I better do the break, and then we'll get to it. See, you back me up against the thing here. And since we have a lot of spots on here... Oh! Oh! <laughs>
4: The most-watched kids show on television may be going off the air. SpongeBob SquarePants could wrap up production at the end of this year. The show's executive producer and head writer, Steve Hillenburg, says he needs a break and wants to try something new. We get reaction now from the star of the show, SpongeBob SquarePants.
9: La, 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 la. What the hell do I do now? I just signed the papers to put a big addition on the pineapple and I'm up to my bikini bottom in debt. My girlfriend Sandy Cheeks is pregnant and Patrick poor Patrick
0: good morning
9: la 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 good morning Patrick
0: I got a surprise for you
9: I've got a surprise for you too pal the sex change operation's off we're getting canned (laughs) there there Patrick take your paxel can we lower the volume please Squidward no more
6: Krabby Patties. No more happy ending massages. My lad, we're fired.
1: Oh, boy.
6: I know. No more parties with Robert Downey Jr. Hold
9: on there, little square dude. Oh, shut up, Sandy. I was about to dump you for Heidi Klum. We're all fired. It's over. Over. Now, maybe you, because uh, you got, you know,
2: kids, maybe you can tell me what that's all about. SpongeBob SquarePants? What do you want to yeah. know?
5: Well, what's it all about? It's just a cartoon? It's just a cartoon that happens to be very popular with teenagers. I see. And Miguel. And it ain't half bad. It's funny. It's cute.
2: Now, is uh, Square, uh, what is it, SpongeBob? Is he like Shoe Steve? Oh, and guess what? The deal at the uh, Church of the Nativity is just about done. To have a trial. No matter uh, what you say, the Israelis are the only ones. Of course, haven't they been saying this for a long time? And the Nasdaq just went in the minus column again, and uh, the stocks are falling one more time. I don't know how much lower they can go, but... It's getting real grim and really ugly. Nice going there, Bushmeister. Oh, and well, look at this. <laughs> Are black men's shlongs bigger? Here's That's not another, what it says. More information. Well, it doesn't say schlong. It says something about Nixon. But anyway, I got something more. The, the other article is much more significant and meaningful. So anyway, that was okay. That bit that we just played because I thought it sounded amusing, but I have no idea what that show is.
5: There it is. It was uh, no, no, no. It was weak. The bit, yeah.
2: Oh, okay. Well, I won't play it again. Okay, I'll take off the check mark because you know me, I always put a check mark on the ones that I like. Uh, yes, you do. Okay, I'm writing no right next to it. I wrote a big no. One. Myth or reality, do black men have larger penises? And I think that this is something that just about everybody's concerned about white, black, Chinese. Of course, uh, poor, you know, I still am in amazement, you know what? That there can be a billion Chinese people. Is it one or two? No, it's one billion. When Chinese men are endowed like button mushrooms. In fact, there are an enormous number of Chinese here in Toronto, and it, th- this is one of the reasons that I'm here, because it certainly makes me feel much better about myself. I'm not saying that the stereotype is always true with Chinese men, but my goodness, they—they're button mushroom would, would be like an exaggeration, like an acorn, like a thumbnail. But anyway, we'll get to the Chinese another day. Myth or reality, do black men have larger penises? In any case, because of difficulties of this sort, research comparing black and white sexuality has been rather scarce. Why is that? Indeed, many people working in the field of human sexuality consider the question itself to be racist, given that human sexuality means just that, human sexuality. According to these scientists, the very notion of race is suspect with skin tone and hair type existing among human populations along a continuum, for example, light to dark, straight to kinky, etc. And we all like kinky. These researchers believe that there's simply no scientific validity to claims that such trivial differences constitute evidence of the existence of actual racial groups that differ to any appreciable degree in behavior or capability. Nevertheless, for better or worse, for richer or poorer, most people believe the idea of race and some have considered research in race differences to be useful. So what does the research say regarding sexuality? And here are some of the answers. Although it says... (laughs) <laughs> Before reporting results of studies, let's look at the stereotypes of whites and blacks. In comparison to black men, for example, white men are often expected to show less sexual interest, to have st- started sexual activity at a later age, to masturbate more often, to have fewer extramarital partners and fewer partners overall. Black men are thought to have larger genitals, genitals to scorn for a foreplay, especially cunnilingus, and to be generally more virile. Yeah, that's right, virile. As in making lots of babies like Evander Holy White women are often thought to be more virginal than black women who are suspected of being more loose. Overall, blacks are thought to be more permissive and casual about sexuality than whites, both in attitude and behavior. So how do these stereotypes hold up? Are they myths? First, if the stereotypes are reality, they'd be describing general trends, not the behavior of all individuals in the group. That is, even if black men really did have larger penises, that would not mean that any given black man had a larger penis than any given white man. For example, like uh, Gel- Geldy, for example. In fact, you know something that just dawned on me? Finally, see how you're falling into some stuff once in a while, how it all ties together? Now we know why Mo won't let Gildy speak what he's jealous of. Anyway, it goes on to say, you cannot predict the characteristics of any member of a group based on the average characteristic of that group. For example, men tend to be taller than women, but most American women are taller than most Japanese men. And even in America or in Japan, you can find many women who are taller than many of their male co-nationals. You following this? I'm following. Take notes. In any event, in a review of research conducted between 1938 and 1979, Martin Weinberg and Colin Williams found surprising support for some of these stereotypes. Black Americans, at least during those years, truly did seem to display greater overall sexual autonomy in attitudes and behavior than did their white counterparts. This greater autonomy did not seem to result from social class, but from African-American culture itself. That is, white Americans from similar social classes did not display the autonomy of their black counterparts. The differences between blacks and whites were also found to be more pronounced among men than among women. In other words, black and white men differed quite a lot, whereas black and white women differed but to a lesser degree. For example, although black men and black women were more likely than white men and women to be engaged in premarital sex earlier and more frequently, only black men, not black women, were more likely to have done so with a greater number of partners. Similarly, both black men and women were more likely than whites to have had extramarital sex, but only black men were found to have done so with a greater number of partners. In addition, the uh, samples of black Americans appear to be more accepting of sex generally and to report fewer sexual problems than whites. How do you like that? They huh. know how to do it. I mean, if they're reproducing like crazy in the jungles of Africa, they sure as hell know how to do it without too much learning over there and without uh, too much protection either, unfortunately. Sex tended to be taken more in stride by the black samples. As for penis size, while this question seems absurd and has, I uh, seen, and there's some word missing in here. As to reports regarding sexual autonomy, all these claims are made based on what's called self report data. In other words, nobody took cameras into black and white bedrooms. They simply asked people about their sexual behavior. However, Americans are notoriously poor reporters of their sexual experiences. Therefore, the differences between blacks and whites simply to be a difference in accuracy and honesty in self reports, a problem that plagues studies of sexuality in general. In other words, people lie a lot about sex. Just ask Bubba, he'll tell you, none of your business. There are only theories, no facts to explain why whites and blacks differ in sexual matters. However, some earlier theories proved to be false. For example, it was once thought the differences were the result of socioeconomics since blacks tended to come from lower social class than whites. As mentioned, however, this does not seem to be the reason. Weinberg and Williams believe that due to particular historical conditions of slavery and its aftermath, black Americans developed a distinct subculture that was not subject to the moralistic restrictions that emerge under controls of traditional families and societies stolen from their own families, nations, and societies, forced to marry or divorce, raped and enslaved. Moralistic dictates were less firmly established. you follow following that, of course. Yes. Why were the differences more pronounced among men? Weinberg and Williams argue that black men are in uh, the peculiar position of being outnumbered by black women. In addition, it appears that white women are more interested in black men than black women are interested in white men. Should I read that again? I've heard that. Yeah, go ahead. It appears that white women are more interested in black men than black women are interested in white men. Thus, black men have more sexual opportunities. Again, refer to Evander Holy Molyfield. There's their restitution. Secondly, according to Weinberg and Williams, white women have traditionally been seen as protected class who form a contract with men in marriage, whereby they give up independence in exchange for protection and support from the man. White men, therefore, live in a cultural environment that restrains their sexuality more and provides more opportunities for getting into trouble. Because of the degradation of slavery, however, black women were not so protected in their marriage contracts with men were more subject to interference from whites. Therefore, within black subculture, men are less restricted in matters of sex. Are these explanations reasonable at ask? Perhaps one thing is for certain. This area of research will continue to engender strong opinions and passions for a long time, it says. Well, there's a little bit missing in there, which really frosts my ass, but we'll get to it one of these days.
1: You're
10: a bastard. You call that a penis?
9: People are watching, women are staring, they're green then be but I'm not sharing, some say he's brainless, not much fun talking, not much to look at. We're gonna make Like. That fuck can make me just twist and shout He's got a really big trouser trap I'm fishing for gold He's got a really big trouser trap He's got a really big trouser trap He's got a really big trouser trap really I'm really fishing for gold
2: 10.33 and 5.60. Here's the other story, which fortunately is brief because we don't want to spend a lot of time on this. We don't want to be like penis uh, heavy on the show today. It says, everyone knows this story. Black men have big uh, penises. Indeed, if you were to believe some, an African-American man has one that hangs to his knees. The idea has been embedded in white consciousness for centuries and may be a motivation behind some of the fear and hatred that black people have experienced for so long. Now, why would you hate somebody? Because they got, I guess it makes them dangerous, threatening. Yeah, penis envy, penis hate. Penis hate. But is it true what asked here? It says, according to the definitive definitive penis size survey, I guess they didn't take this in my swimming pool at high school. (laughs) The definitive penis size survey says the average penis size is around 6.4 inches, with 10.2 inches being the largest in the sample. A survey found that black men on average were only slightly bigger than any other man. Now, because these are statistics, we're only talking averages here, it says. Rest assured, there are black men out there who hung like a donkey. And, of course, there are white men also. Nonetheless, you won't be guaranteed a trouser monster with every black man. So where does the perception come from? Evolutionary scientists have pointed out that black men's penises do not expand as much when erect, and thus are closer to their maximum size when flaccid. Aha! Caucasian. Caucasian men, on the other hand, experience significant differences in life between the erect and flaccid states.
1: Absolutely
2: correct, sir. The theory behind this states that white people evolved in colder climates where it was not necessarily advantageous to have a longer todger hanging out. What the hell is todger? <laughs> I'm going to look it up right now. There's a new one for you. T-O-D-G-E-R. There's a new one. It was not necessarily advantageous to have a longer todger hanging out in the snow, constantly in danger of frostbite. Thus, the Caucasian penis evolved to be smaller when it was not being used. Black men, however, had no such constraints, and thus were able to let the old fellow swing free at all times. All right, isn't that "swing free, sweet chariot"? Wasn't that the name of that song? <laughs> swing low, huh? As a matter of fact, don't you remember Tom? Uh, yeah, Tom Dooley, Kingston Trio, "Hang Down Your Head, Tom Dooley." I knew a draft dodger. Pipe bomb spread to Colorado while you're looking that up. Are you really looking up the word dodgy? I absolutely am. Is, is that well, T-O-D? To be, my, inquiring minds want to know. We can learn something else. It's not even uh, 11 o'clock yet. How is that spelled? Besides the fact that Howard's even a bigger asshole than we thought. See, if it was me, if I'm running that place already, I would have an investigation into what can... I'd have that tape going on my desk. I'd have everybody in that building listening to that intemperate, grotesque comment that was made around uh, circa 7.15 this morning on WQAM <laughs> by a big, a pompous piece of turd. How are we spelling, Dodger? T-O-D-G-E-R. About in the name of shtick, this man, certain people on this station, meaning, of course, Ew, the unmentionable one, is saying things in the name of shtick that uh, if he was doing it someplace else, somebody would put a bullet through his head. An unacceptable, intemperate comment, the worst in the history of talk radio. Of course, I use the term talk radio loosely when you include him. Stick to the play-by-play, sweetheart, okay? Do something you know about, because this sure is hell ain't it. Salida, Colorado. Have you found the Todger yet? No, it's not online, so we're going to the encyclopedias. Maybe the, maybe there is no such word. Maybe it was just like it sounded cute, but I, I, I never heard of such a thing. Todger. Like old Todger? Like, old codger. How, like Dodger. How do the Dodgers doing tonight? By the way, don't forget the local baseball team is playing the Padres. Should be a big crowd on Tuesday night for that, especially like 100 degrees in the shade. Should be a tremendous. See, they need the stadium. <laughs> oh, and I got a story on that too later on if we have time, but I doubt it. I got too much good crap here today. I got a pile that's just uh, shocking. An FBI official said a pipe bomb found in a Colorado mailbox yesterday appeared linked to 16 others found in three Midwestern states, raising concerns that the domestic terrorism spree is spreading. Boy! We have a rather disturbing pattern where the subjects are moving west rather quickly, FBI agent Mark Mershon said. We're looking for somebody who is mobile. We're moving mountains to determine who that is. A resident found the device in a sandwich bag with a piece of folded paper in the small mountain community of Salida, Colorado, about 100 miles southwest of Denver. It did not explode. Mershon said he didn't know whether the. Uh, now, where the hell did he. Oh, Mark Mershon, that's his name. He said he didn't know whether the paper found with the device was another anti-government letter like those found with other pipe bombs. The fact that the other devices were found in clusters makes authorities fear that more bombs may be delivered in the area, Mershon said. Postal carriers near Salida have been told not to deliver to closed mailboxes, but that they could deliver to the home's front door and stayed. Also yesterday, another mailbox bomb was found in rural Nebraska, the eighth found in the state. The latest Nebraska bomb was found near Hastings in the mailbox of somebody who had been away for a weekend. Authorities said this one also, thank goodness, did not explode. The latest bombs were found as hundreds of nervous letter carriers returned to work across the Midwest. Mail delivery had also been suspended Saturday, and rural residents in at least four Midwest states and Colorado were asked to leave their mailboxes open or remove their mailbox doors as a safety measure. How do you like that? So... Just over the last several months now, seven, eight months, what it's been. Like I said yesterday, first we had to worry about anthrax on every piece of mail in the mailbox, and now we got to worry about a goddamn pipe bomb because there's a lot of crazy, crazy people running around on the loose. Did you find uh, what was ever uh, uh, Todger. Todger?
5: No, no, but there is a site called uh, Todger.com that Miguel found, which
2: is about what penises. Yeah. Really? Yeah. So maybe it's like an internet penis. Maybe there's not really such a word, but maybe on the Internet uh, they've got their own uh, lingo. Van Mungo lingo. Remember him? He used to pitch for the Dodgers, I think. And see, there's Dodgers and Dodgers. It all ties in now. Told you what i tell you, folks. Don't forget, we got the Mad Dog. Right. Coming up at 1, Jim Mandich, 1 to 3. Hank Goldberg, 3 o'clock, 6.30, the pregame show, 7.05. You're a team taking on the Padres at P.P. Park. 80K after baseball. And the Dirty Boys, Joe and Mark, who are highly rated overnight, number 2. The Dirty Boys between 2 and 6.
4: <laughs> Greg hates you. At 560 WQAM, we just can't seem to get the morning show right. So once again, we softly advise of our crackhead chicken hawk consultant that we apologize for that, too. And now, 560 WQAM proudly presents the Mogan David Show.
6: Morning, Mo. That. I said good morning. Do you know who I am? Mogan David. Yeah. yeah? That's good, because uh, I forgot who I was. What's your name again, Felcher? No, Gelty. But you can call me Gelty. What is this here? Lox. Locks? With a bagel. Yeah, too salty. Stop. Take it back. I want fresh Nova. Okay. Get that out of here. Start. And while you're out, get me coffee. I got a uh, punch card full here for Scoogans. Stop. I get a free cup. Yeah, but wait a minute. Are we supposed to talk about sports? Oh, yeah, uh, I'll ever tell you about the time I had lunch with Joe Peppertone. No! Um, uh, how about that hurricane uh, shuffleboard team? They don't got that no more. Since when? Since they got rid of the rocker porches on Collins Avenue. Well, it's a good thing I bought the new Mahjong rules. Woohoo! Uh, see the card? Yeah. Crack and bam. Crack and bam! All right, <laughs> I got your crack right here. Bam! <laughs> What was that? That. Right, I flipped my wig. Phew. It smells bad in here, like toe cheese. So what do you say we do a nice remote from the Festival Flea Market? Sounds good to me. Yeah, they got a lot of nice benches there. Okay, let's go. Okay. All right, let's get out of here. Yeah. I can use another vacation. We <laughs> hey, are guests.
2: 1045 at 560 WQM. Jefferson can reject the slave descendants. Descendants of a Thomas Jefferson slave reputed to have borne several of his children will not be welcomed into an organization for Jefferson relatives. Damn it. In a closed meeting Sunday, the Monticello Association voted to continue to restrict membership to Jefferson's descendants through his daughters Martha and Maria. That excludes descendants of Sally Hemings, a slave at Monticello with whom Jefferson is rumored to have had a sexual relationship. The association cited a panel of scholars who concluded there was insufficient evidence to establish Jefferson's paternity of Heming's children. Let me ask you this. How come they didn't have, it like, an impeachment trial? For Jefferson? He had a wife, you know. Maybe he and kept he was it all he was screwing the slaves. Of course, they didn't have any CNN or MSNBC or Fox, thank God. But uh, how come there was no impeachment for Thomas Jefferson? I don't know. During the meeting... Lucian Truscott IV, a supporter of the Henning's claims, displayed a photograph of a black man with a zipper across his mouth, which he said John Works, Jr., a former Monticello president, emailed to him. After the meeting, Works said he regretted sending the photo, which he called insensitive. He said his intention was to remind Truscott of a pledge association members made not to discuss the Henning's issue with the media. I just sent this as a reminder to keep his mouth shut, Works said. I regret that it was a black face. If it had been a white face, I would use that instead. Right. The scholars' committee that concluded there was insufficient evidence that Jefferson's paternity was formed at Works' behest. DNA tests have shown a male in Jefferson's family fathered Heming's son, Eston. But the study commissioned by Works argued that Jefferson's younger brother, Randolph, was likely the father. And it goes on and on and on. <coughs> See? I think I'm right. Those dark folks can't catch a break uh... uh... Texas, have been slightly less sensitive, not as inclined to explode when the mail bomb found in, in Amarillo, Texas, Texas up the device. And so uh, that's what we've learned so far. Uh, they're obviously very concerned that this is happening very quickly. That this person just is on the road and has no plans of stopping anytime soon. Leon.
4: And if it is the same person, Rusty, this person's been driving around quite a bit because we're at some, some 300 more uh, plus 300 some miles in between the last two sites, correct?
2: Exactly. I mean, it's 400. I'm not sure how far Amarillo is from Salida, but I know Salida from Hastings is at least 400 miles. So, yes,
10: traveling very quickly. Of course, the uh, residents in Colorado have al- were already
9: alerted last night to keep their mailboxes open as well.
2: Now, let me ask you a stupid question. How do they know it's the same person? I'm sure they don't. Right. But if the bombs are all,
5: you know, looking similar or whatever, when they find them, the ones that aren't detonated. Yes. Then maybe it's the same person.
2: Maybe it's the same person, and maybe it's a group. Maybe it's not. Good pert. If they all look the same. Maybe the group are, like, uh, making them, like, by the dozens. I don't want to get anybody panicky, but I'm just it's just another example of how the media rushes to judgment. And, uh, you know, this business about, well, he's sure moving around real fast. Maybe he is, and maybe he's not. Who the hell knows? We don't know. Just like uh, all the latest reports about uh, Osama Yamama again, and is he uh, alive, and is he hanging out there uh, in the, in the uh, mountains by Pakistan, between Afghanistan and Pakistan, and is he doing this, and is he doing that, and is he, is he, and they still haven't found anybody. And let me say it again, they never would have found a Unabomber if his, if the uh, brother wouldn't have recognized the goddamn uh, uh, messages in there, That's if they right. wouldn't have published it. Never. Would it take taken about 600 years to find him? Right. And that was only by a stroke of luck. We don't find anybody. We haven't found Mullah Omar. We haven't found uh, any of these people. Have we we found out who killed Cock Robin? No. Speaking of that, priest who ran youth home in 70s accused. This from the Boston Globe again. Boy, this is, it's just mind-boggling. A priest who ran the Alpha Omega Home for Troubled Youth in Littleton during the 70s was accused yesterday of molesting eight teenage boys, all but one of them at the home or at a vacation house in New Hampshire. The Reverend Bernard J. Lane was named in seven separate lawsuits filed in Suffolk Superior Court. The Archdiocese of Boston had previously settled at least six cases of abuse involving Lane, who is now retired and living in Barnstead, New Hampshire. Two of the boys who were not identified in their suit contend that Lane said he had adopted them because their families were unfit and dangerous. According to the suit, Lane allegedly moved the boys into his private home in Littleton and enrolled them in local schools. Hey, just moved them on in. After about six months, the boys said Lane abandoned them and they returned to their families. In a separate suit, the boys say two other men, in addition to Lane, allegedly molested them. Neither of the men, the Reverend C. Melvin Surrett, who succeeded Lane at Alpha Omega, and Dr. Scott Ward, a former psychiatrist at the home who now lives in Philadelphia, could be reached for comment. Boy, there's a lot of that going around. Ward later faced criminal charges in Philadelphia for allegedly abusing a teenage boy. Attorney Nance Lyons, who filed the suit, said that Ward called one of the boys he allegedly abused in Massachusetts to ask if he would appear as a character witness at the trial. Oh, can I read that sentence again? Could you please? Jesus! Ward later faced criminal charges in Philadelphia for allegedly abusing a teenage boy. Attorney Nance Lyons, who filed the suit, said that Ward called one of the boys he allegedly abused in Massachusetts to ask if he would appear as a character witness at the trial. What is he supposed to say? He liked it. He wanted it. It wasn't so bad. Jesus! In, in the history of my life, I just—he's uh, supposed to, you know, go on uh, the witness stand and say. I wanted it. Yeah. One plaintiff, David Lemieux, no relation to Muriel, Now 40, living in Leominster, said, uh, "I don't think I'm pronouncing that right. That's one of those New England names." Is that Leminster? I don't know. Said Lane abused him in Alpha Omega when he was 15, though he's now married with three children. Lemieux said the abuse led to struggles with drug addiction, alcoholism, and issues of his own sexuality. Lane stole away a good portion of my life, said Lemieux, the only alleged victim identified in the suits. Lane was also accused of molesting a family friend from Woburn for four years, starting when the boy was 13. Neither Lane nor his attorney could be reached for comment. Alpha Omega had a contract with the state to house youths who had run into trouble with the law. Lane was removed from the home in 1978 after abuse allegations led to a state investigation. He remained a priest until his retirement three years ago. However, The Globe has reported that the State Department of Youth Services started an investigation into Lane around 1976 or 77, but the probe stalled when Lane refused to cooperate and would not let a team of investigators into the home. The lawsuits also named several defendants, Life Resources, Inc., and the Alpha Omega Corporation, both nonprofits, Life Resources, Alpha Omega's parent corporation. And it goes on and on and where it stops nobody knows. I don't think anytime soon. Amarillo, Texas, we got another pipe bomb this one did not explode. Now it is interesting that the pattern from uh, as compared to the first ones in Nebraska and Illinois and Iowa, the ones that did explode, uh, the recent ones, none of them have exploded. Right. Do we have any idea why that is?
5: I think no. people are finding them without triggering them. But I'm just
2: speculating. I, don't, I think the answer is we really don't know. That's the answer. I don't think the FBI knows. Of course, the FBI couldn't find uh, you know, a needle in a goddamn uh, glass of water. That's the FBI for you. People in the news, ABC appears ready to dump Bill Maher. All right. ABC is in discussions with comedian Jimmy Kimmel, co-host of Comedy Central's The Man Show. Anybody know who Jimmy Kimmel is? Yes,
5: co-host of The Man Show.
2: Is he funny? Yes. Mm-hmm. No, <laughs> probably funnier than Bill Maher. Okay. <laughs> anyway, ABC's it? in discussions with Jimmy Kimmel to serve as a host of a program that would replace Bill Maher in the network's troubled late night show, politically incorrect with Bill Maher, according to several sources in L.A. It was not known what former show with Kimmel as host would take, but ABC, a unit of Walt Disney comp- uh, Company, has stated its desire to attract younger viewers to late night. This was a primary motivation behind the network's bid in March to woo David Letterman from CBS to a show that would have displaced Nightline. Kimmel would bring a niche following, a niche, particularly among men 18 to 34, a demographic popular with advertisers, men 18 to 34. Never let it be said, Johnny Carson doesn't pay his debts even a half century later. Bob Sweet knew the former king of late-night TV when Carson regaled friends with magic tricks at the Seven Seas Lounge in Omaha, Nebraska. One night in the early 1950s, the WOW radio personality stopped by the bar saying he needed $10 for cab fare. Aren't those great letters, by the way? Yes, they are. WOW. The wow Sweet gave him the money after making a bartender named Zim write out an IOU on a napkin. Sweet kept the paper for years, but eventually misplaced it, figuring it was gone with the $10 Carson borrowed. On a whim, he recently wrote to Carson, reminding the star not only about the loan, but ribbing him about interest due. The money was promptly mailed back, the $10 with a note. Bob, in my opinion, it was a no-interest loan. Sincerely, Johnny Carson. Isn't that cute? Yes, it is. So at least he pays back his uh, debts, as small as they may be from years ago, as opposed to some other people we know in show business who've made millions and millions. Blow me $50. I don't want to mention any names, of course, because that would be bad, because I'm sure he's a very nice person, even though I know him and he's not. Spider-Man star Toby Maguire says the scene where he's hanging upside down in the rain while kissing co-star Kirsten Dunst wasn't much fun to shoot. There was rain pouring up or down my nose. I couldn't breathe and I was gasping for breath out of the corner of Kristen's mouth, Maguire, 26, said in L.A., Kirsten. Poor girl, I was giving her mouth to mouth rather than kissing her, but in the midst of that I was sneaking some pleasure out of it, he'd be saying. McGuire plays a science geek who becomes a web slinging hero after a bite from a mutant spider. William Defoe, Well I'm sorry, I always do that, don't yes, I? Yes, you do. Why do I do that? It's just I, natural. I don't know anybody I don't know anybody else named Willem. Do you? He's the only one. His parents were poor. Willem Defoe co-stars as his nemesis, the Green Goblin, and Duns plays the object of Spider-Man's affection. And that movie is uh, gross. I mean, it's gross and huge money, which I'll get to that later on. Huge. Gigantic. Yes. And I saw some of the clips from there. And, you know, I guess if you like Spider-Man. I never even liked Spider-Man in the comics all that much. I saw it. It was adequate. Was it okay? It was fine. Not great, but okay. It's not perfect. I like Dick uh, just Tracy myself. I think we'll take that poll one day, maybe tomorrow, since Spider-Man is so hot right now. Your favorite comic book uh, action hero? Now, now, would Dick Tracy be in that category? Because I love Dick Tracy. You
5: know, that's a good I question because it. I don't recall him ever having a comic book. He was in comic strips.
2: No, I'm, I'm talking about comic strips. I'm not talking okay. about comic books. In that case, then, sure. And remember that the Crime Stoppers thing they used to have, that little um, thing with every uh, cartoon? Right. Did you read Dick Tracy? Yes, I did. And here I thought you didn't know that. Weren't you told just the other day you don't know Dick? Not and there's like Superman and Captain Marvel and Prince Valiant and uh, Spider-Man and uh, so many. And we can do like comic strip or like uh, any of them. There was Rocket Man, of course, that was in the movies. Boy, I loved Rocket Man. Every Saturday at the Cameo Theater in Rochester, where they would have the uh, the serial. Uh, what what did what's her name called it in the uh, the movie with uh, James Caan? Misery. Ka- Kathy Bates. What did she call it? I think she did the, call um, them serials. No, no, she didn't call them cereals. The something, uh, oh, she had a funny... We'll, we'll oh, you're right. It. Yeah, the the passion plays, the, the something. She had a name for it, very funny name. Anyway, Rocket Man was one of those, and I loved it. And he used to have that thing on his back, you know, it looked like oxygen tanks on his back, and he would, like, uh, you know, he'd fly.
8: He flew a lot.
3: Pissed off gets me fired up when I hear someone say
7: that. Uh.
8: America's number one motion picture, Planet of the Apes, rakes in almost $70 million opening weekend. But the movie was not without its problems. Here's a scene that wound up on the cutting
0: room floor.
1: Get, get off of me! Get off! Get off! get off of oh, hey,
0: hey, me! Hey, 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 wait a minute, You're mocking mock.
8: No, 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 I'm Major Leo Davidson from the U.S. Air Force. Get oh, off of no, me! No, no, no. Your no, you're one of the new
0: kids on the block, ain't you? No, no.
6: No. That was his brother, brother. Donnie. No, no, no. The talented one. <laughs> Get off of me. Hey, hey, hey
9: would you sign this for my gym? I
7: love the funky bunch. <laughs> oh, no. Hey,
9: wait
7: a minute. Will you guys quit it? Hey, wait, wait, wait. wait. I saw you
9: on the side of a bus in your underpants. <laughs> hey, stop. Let's see you jockeys now, stop it. stop it. Stop it. Stop it, all Hey, Monkey, you
0: want a funky bunch of bananas? <laughs> uh, hey,
9: hey,
10: I got all your songs on cassette! Uh, all of them! There's only one! <laughs> oh, shut up! Stop it! Stop playing that! Get
0: that off! Stop it! Oh, stop! 1102,
2: he stopped real quick. 1102 at 560 WQM, happy Tuesday to you. Spider Man scales new box office heights, I told you I'd have this. Spider-Man, the latest comic book superhero to wind up in feature film, swung into North American box office history with a record-smashing $114 million haul from its first three days of release, studio executives said on Sunday. The film released by Sony Corpse Columbia Pictures trashed the three-year-old record of $90.3 million, set last November by Harry Potter and the Sorcerer's Stone. You know, I'm, I'm sorry, is it me? I, I don't understand Potter. why these... Huh? What's your point? No, my, my point is, the the movies that break all these box office records, I guess it's all like kid movies where the kids drag to go officers. see them. You're absolutely correct.
5: Movies are a youthful thing.
2: Boy. Spider-Man also broke the Boy Wizard's benchmarks for highest single-day receipts and fastest to reach the century mark, said Jeff Blake. Columbia's president of worldwide marketing and distribution... Additionally, Spider-Man posted record-setting weekend bows in Malaysia, Singapore, Thailand, and the Philippines and will open in Japan, the world's second biggest market, next Saturday. As the first major release of the lucrative summer season begins, it sets a high standard for other keenly anticipated movies, including two other franchises, Star Wars Episode II, Attack of the Clones, May 16, and Austin Powers in Goldmember, July 26. Though so they finally got a name for that movie. Yes. Spider-Man crushed the other movies at this weekend's box office. Two other new releases were stillborn. <laughs> I love Good that line. The gang drama Deuce's Wild opened at number 7 with 2.7 million, while Woody Allen's Hollywood Ending began with 2.2 million tied at number 10 with Columbia's Panic Room, stillborn. The Scorpion King, which had ruled the box office last two weekends, slipped to number 2 with 9.6 million. The 17-day total for the action adventure rose to $74.8 million. Spider-Man's about a high school geek play by Tobey Maguire who is bitten by a spider and soon able to scale walls and shoot webs from his wrist. Kirsten Dunst co-stars as his love interest And William Dafoe. Uh, see, I did it again. <laughs> God, will you stop doing that? What is wrong with you, man? You're an asshole. I think maybe Moe's got a point. Willem Defoe stars as the villainous Green Goblin. Sam Raimi directed the film which reportedly was budgeted between 120 and $130 million. Oh, so this was an expensive film to make. Yeah, it was. You could so tell. they're going to make a lot of money on it, but not like it sounds. The audience was evenly split between males and females and between viewers aged over and under 25, Blake said, and exit polls were bullish. Exit polls. They do exit polls now on movies, not just You You not believe it. The critics were also enthusiastic. They asked George, and he said, eh, it was okay. I gave it a B. That's high for me. Yeah, it is very high. In other words, you are bullish. B as in bullish, as in Bullschmidt. It had all the bells and whistles and the latest technology, but it's also moved movie with a lot of heart and real romance at its core, he added. spider Man's Saturday gross of $43.7 million broke. Harry Potter's single-day record of $33.5 million also set on a Saturday, and the new film reached $100 million in three days, while Harry Potter took five days to do that. Yeah, stick it, Harry Potter, okay? What do you know? It grows 31,000-plus per theater, a record for a film released to more than 3,000 outlets, 3,615 in this case, Blake said. A script's already being written for the first of what the film's producers hope will be many sequels, said Avi Arod, CEO of Marvel Studios, the Marvel Enterprise. How come they never made a movie out of uh, Captain Marvel?
5: Uh, They did in the 70s or early 80s, and it was uh, really bad. He couldn't say Shazam, right? Oh, wrong Captain Marvel, I'm
2: sorry. You don't know Captain Marvel, do you?
5: Well, there were two. The old one and the newer updated Captain Marvel. Well,
2: well what, what does that mean? I don't understand.
5: There there was the original Shazam Captain Marvel, and then there was an updated other cosmic Captain
2: Marvel, uh, not who, who similar at all. Who
5: didn't say Shazam? He didn't say Shazam. He didn't have well,
2: to. Well, screw him. No wonder they didn't go to see that. Even little kids who uh, believe in Santa Claus, even those kids know that Captain Marvel says Shazam. So they never I mean, did they, they,
5: uh, a movie about the old Captain Marvel, which would be nice, by the way. They just had that TV series, if you recall.
2: Anyway, Avi Arad, CEO of Marvel Studios, the Marvel Enterprises Inc. unit, charged with turning its stable of comic book characters such as Blade and X-Men into future franchises. The world was waiting to see Spider-Man, Arad said. It's nice, clean, interesting character. What hell's clean about a spider? Spiders are fat. Teenage girls considered the film more of a romance than a superhero film, while boys were drawn to Dunst. And older audiences to the special effects and drama, he said. The boys were drawn to dunce. They wanted to see her naked. They wanted yeah. to see her boobies. They wanted to see her doing it. Was there like any, uh, anything even mildly sexual in the movie? Well, that rain scene that you were talking about with the water flowing up his nose? Oh, I, I saw that. They showed that on TV. Yeah, she's all him, wet.
5: Which, by the and way, it's, he's extremely it's ugly. Sheer, her dress is all clingy and everything. That's pretty sexy, but that's about as good as it gets.
2: And like I said, he's extremely ugly. Not, yes, not extremely, is. just. He's, he's a weird. geek. Speaking of how people look, which of course is what the world revolves around, because we're, that's just the way we are, folks. You can deny it, you can lie about it, there's more than life than looks, like money maybe. A Manhattan, this is from the New York Daily News no less, a Manhattan federal judge flipped through a penthouse photo spread yesterday before ruling the steamy snapshots almost certainly show a shapely former model, not tennis temptress Anna Cornaholia. I have it in full color, said Judge Denny Chin who plays a mean chin ball? by the way, who ordered the magazine to stop distributing its Dune issue, which claims to have topless pictures of Cornelia. After sending a secretary to buy a copy of the skin mag, Chin said the 12 photos appeared to depict Judith Soltes-Benetton, who sued Penthouse yesterday for $10 million. Soltes-Benetton, 28, who married into the Benetton clothing fortune. Am I saying that right or is it Benetton? Benetton. Oh, well, at least I corrected myself. Nice going, Neil. <clears throat> Says the pictures were taken seven years ago without her knowledge. Do you like this? That's how desperate they are at penthouse. That's Bob Guccione, right?
5: Yes, it is. They are in trouble.
2: And we, we've been reading they were in big trouble and they're on the verge of going bust. And so this is how desperate they are at penthouse is he's running uh, fake. He's running stunt pictures of uh, people, famous people. And neither party knows uh, what the hell's going on. Even a cursory glance at the sunbathing shots reveal that Kornakova is not the sexy star of the pictorial, the judge said. And the judge knows his porno stars, okay? He knows his naked babes. It's hard to believe any reasonable observer would believe they show her, said Chin, referring to the 10-page layout. Penthouse had insisted the pictures were definitely of Kornikova, but a lawyer backed away from the claim yesterday. It appears Penthouse may have well made a mistake, said Victor Kovner, a lawyer for that magazine. Kornikova denied being the woman pictured in the sexy photos and is planning a nice, fat lawsuit of her own. Nice going, Anna. Oh. Maybe you can share the money with Pavel. He needs it. He's only making, what, nine, ten million. He needs it. He could use it. Chin yesterday branded Penthouse Reckless and ordered it to halt distribution of the June issue, even though almost all the 1.2 million copies have hit the newsstands. Yeah, cut it out now. Stop it. Too late. The way Penthouse has used this suggests to me it doesn't care whether it's true, just that it'll help sell issues, said Chin, who said another hearing for a week from today, next Tuesday. Soltes Benetton, who's married to Italian clothing heir Rocco Benetton. Am I saying Benetton. that right?
1: Benetton.
2: Why do I keep saying it like that? Well, it looks like Benetton to me. It's got two T's in it. Rocco Benetton, Benetton, uh, Will- Willem Dafoe. Says the 12 snapshots were taken after she peeled off her bikini top in Miami in 1995. In oh, Miami. Hey. How do you like that? At the root of every story where there's uh, tumult and sorus and stuff like that. At the root of every one of those stories that sooner or later comes back to Miami. She didn't know at the time that anyone had photographed her, but she says she started a spec, so She was the subject of the controversial penthouse spread when she heard about it on a syndicated TV show last week. The next day, she said she picked up a copy of the magazine at a at what airport, you think? Miami International.
1: Absolutely
2: correct, sir. And said she was stunned to see herself. It's a fraud on the public, but outrageous to my client, said Jud Burstein, a lawyer for Soltez Benetton. Benetton. Besides her resemblance to the woman in the pictures, Soltez Benetton is more evidence. A photograph of herself wearing the sundress seen in one of the penthouse shots. The gorgeous woman in the pictures appears to be about the same age as who who's 20. Soltes Benetton was, about 20, Benetton was about 21 when the pictures were taken. Why do I have to keep saying that? I'm calling her Soltes. Okay. And I'm not sure that's right. Kovner, a former city corporation counsel, refused to say who the photographer was or how Penthouse obtained the pictures. Kornikov is ranked number 68 of the women's tennis tour, but is number one in the hearts of male tennis fans. She is now dating Latin pop star Enrique Iglesias after a stint with a hunky hockey hunk. Sergey Fedorov of the Detroit Red Wings, who's about as hunky as my uh, little dog. hunky hunk, uh, honk. Oh, give me a break. With that honker? Maybe that's what they meant. He's got a hunky honker. Sergey Fedorov. They don't even mention Pavlov Buri in there. How do you like that? So she's hanging out with Enrique. Did you see the pattern developing here? I mean, mm-hmm. do you believe that with her and Enrique? Are you buying that? Uh... Yeah. Likely story. God, who are these people fooling? Evidently a lot of folks. 12 minutes past 11 at 560 WQAM. Reverend Shanley arraigned in a rape case. The flight, she said that if Shanley could make
5: bail, he Must would have to do so his under the following and stay conditions. In Massachusetts. First, he would have to surrender his passport. He would have to remain in the Commonwealth of Massachusetts. Also, that he was not to have any contact with any children under the age of 16, and he was not to have any contact with any potential
2: witnesses. Well, well what does that mean under 16? So In other words, if he can go to the uh, the local uh, penny arcade and find some 16-year-olds, that's okay? Or 17-year-olds, well, how how year kind old, of sure. a deal is that? God, that's America for you. There's justice, baby.
1: There's no facts in, in the church.
2: at 560 WQM. Boy, they're uptight here. They're really uptight. Remember I was talking a few days ago about the Canadian uh, psyche? right? What an inferiority complex these people have. It's very sad because it's a great country, eh? Wonderful people, friendly people, very progressive country, but they are so... uh, Like back during the Olympics when they had that big scandal with the Russians and the figure skaters and the French judge and all that business and when during the uh, hockey games and Don Cherry, who's a good friend of mine but a real xenophobe, when these people are all screaming, oh, the whole world hates Canada, they hate Canadians... And we're all laughing our ass off because all of the rest of us know that, uh, for better or worse, nobody gives a flying crap about Canada. <laughs> right? right. It's America's hat. Nobody hates him. Nobody loves him. Nobody nobody even knows from him, okay? So on a, the National Post, oh, this is hysterical. Headline story on the front page today, U.S. thinks little of Canada says pull. <laughs> a tendency to take the near neighbor for granted, although at least it doesn't say uh, the U.S. hates us like poison. While Canadians embrace their southern neighbor, that's spelled N-E-I-G-H-B-O-U-R, as their closest friend and trading partner, the majority of Americans dismiss Canada as almost irrelevant in economics and foreign policy, according to a new poll of citizens in both countries. Only a few of the Americans contacted for the uh, I- ipsos Reid poll provided to the National Post identified Canada as their country's greatest friend and ally. More than half chose Britain instead. I mean, talk about an inferiority complex. God, they must know mo. Americans also underestimated Canada's economic importance, the poll suggested. The vast majority of Canadians, 82 percent, knew the U.S. is our largest trading partner, but only 14 percent of Americans picked Canada as their country's most important trading nation. So in other words, uh, you know, Canadians are smart and Americans are dumb. Well, we know that. Japan was the country named most often by the American surveyed, followed closely by China. The poll of 1,000 Canadians and 791 Americans highlights a deep disconnect in how the two nations perceive each other. It's a function of Canada's size and significance, politically, economically, strategically, in terms of the radar screen for most Americans, said Ronald Prusin, professor of U.S. foreign policy and international relations and head of the history department at the University of Toronto. eh? There's a tendency to take the near neighbor, especially when that neighbor isn't very powerful or very threatening, very much for granted, he said. Several observers said the views of Americans on Canada's political and military importance reflect reality, while their mistaken views on our economic world are a clear case of ignorance. In other words, they're stupid. And you know what we don't like? Stupid. Um, uh, Say it again. Stupid. We don't like that on this show. We don't like stupid. In fact, people who are stupid maybe should be shot like in the toe. Not bullet through the head. Shot in the toenail, maybe. Not bullet through the head. i just mentioned that in passing, okay? Mo, you silly old fart. You out-of-control lunatic. Speaking of old men, and here's one right around Mo's age, as a matter of fact, in this story. Satellite Beach, Florida. A $6.34 plumbing bill nearly cost a WW2 veteran the roof over his head. Are you familiar with this story? No. No. Another one of those wonderful Florida stories. Before an alert friend noticed, James Provenzano, 81, like I said about Mosage, was almost evicted from his subsidized apartment because he neglected to pay for repairs. A $6.34 plumbing bill. The friend paid the bill and the eviction notice for Provenzano's home and garden apartment was rescinded. The notice arrived on April 12th, giving two weeks for payment and was paid on the 17th. When they start doing things like that, I get furious, Provenzano said last week. I was furious. I was mad. And probably because it wasn't nice. Eviction proceedings are initiated if a tenant doesn't pay a bill regardless of the amount and does not ask for a hearing within 14 days, said Frank Chavers, executive director of Brevard Family of Housing Authorities. Where is Satellite Beach up by Melbourne? No idea. I got Uh, a map. What is that all about? You're supposed to be the one who knows all of this crap. That's what I was trying to tell Greg when all this stuff was going. I said, lately, he knows something. We don't know what it is yet, but he knows something. Anyway, it's pretty straightforward, Chabber said. If the repair is because of negligence or caused by a tenant, they have to pay for it. Provenzano said he had a leak from a kitchen drain, which was fixed months later. The notice of the eviction came showing he had failed to pay the bill of $6.34. I got some advice for you, old man, Jimmy. Pay it. Just pay it. Oh, it's paid okay. Don't be dicking around with a goddamn uh, whoever you're dealing with, with the repair people. Just pay it be in a deadbeat. So where's Satellite Beach? Probably up by the Cape. They have all those I don't want space prob- names. Probably isn't good enough on this Well, show, my map okay? doesn't Probably have isn't it. good enough. I have a crappy-ass map. That's what that uh, Benetton abroad told me. Uh, you know, close is not a match. But you it's know, Cape like Canaveral is like by Melbourne. In the penthouse. It's by what? Cape Canaveral is by Melbourne, so I think you're right. See, I know where Cape Canaveral has been. I've been there. I've been to the beaches in Cape Canaveral, which are beautiful. I've been in Melbourne. I have a friend who lives in Melbourne or used to. But Satellite Beach, thats well, if it's in Brevard County, it's got to be right up in that uh, neck of the woods. Somebody will let us know. Somebody will call in. Look at that. There are people on the phone right now calling to try to tell us where it is. Miguel won't talk to him, though. He's on strike. So let me just do a Cuba story to make him feel better. Although this one won't make anybody feel better. U.S. concerned by Cuba's relationship with enemies. The Bush administration, this is from USA Today, the Bush administration said yesterday believes Cuba has at least a limited offensive biological warfare program and may be transferring its expertise to other countries hostile to the U.S. We are concerned that such technology could support biological warfare programs in those states, said Undersecretary of State John Bolton. Bolton did not identify these nations, but noted that Cuban President Fidel Castro visited Iraq, Syria, and Libya last year, all of which, like Cuba, are on the State Department list of state sponsors of terrorism, Bolton said all are attempting to develop weapons of mass destruction. Bolton, the State Department's top non-proliferation official, called on Cuba to cease transfers of biological weapons technology to rogue states and to fully comply with all its obligations under the Biological Weapons Convention. His remarks are prepared for delivery to the Heritage Foundation and ultra-right-wing Way off on the right. Conservative Research Group is what it says here. Way off on the far right. Heritage Foundation. Bolton said that despite Cuba's membership on the terrorism list, that nation's threat to American society has been underplayed. For four decades, he says, Cuba's maintained a well-developed and sophisticated biomedical industry supported until 1990 by the Soviet Union, Bolton said. See, I'm always trying to tell you guys that we ought to talk more about Cuba and what a threat they are. And Miguel always says, ah, now I'm trying to forget about that stuff. Did you find Satellite Beach? We're looking for it. We're both looking this industry is one of the most advanced in Latin America and leads in the production of pharmaceuticals and vaccines that are sold worldwide. Analysts and Cuban defectors have long cast suspicion on the activities conducted in these biomedical facilities, he said. He noted an official U.S. government report in 1998 concluded that Cuba did not represent a significant military threat to the U.S. or the region. Bolton said the Clinton administration may have overlooked Cuba as a potential threat because of the influence of what he called the country's aggressive intelligence operations in the U.S. He said this included recruiting the Defense Intelligence Agency's senior Cuba analyst, Anna Bellin Montez, to spy for Cuba. Or is that Montez? Whatever. Remember Chris pick. Montez in Les Dance? You remember that song? No. Montez. Montez not only had a hand in drafting the 1998 Cuba report, but also passed some of our most sensitive information about Cuba back to Havana. He said Montez was arrested last fall and pleaded guilty to espionage on March 19th. How do you like that, bitch, huh? So I say it's time to invade Cuba. What do you say? Let's do it. Let's get it over with already. You know, before they get us. We hit them before they hit us. Speaking of uh, your health, speaking of staying alive, I, see, I'm very dubious about this stuff because every few days another one of these stories come out, and you just have to know that the the uh, people who are peddling these products are the ones who are promulgating all this propaganda. Tea may help survive heart attack. Heavy tea drinking, and I, I thought that heavy tea drinking was bad because of the tannic acid in tea. That's what I was thought. That's supposed to, like, tear your guts out. But anyway, now they're saying heavy tea drinking could reduce the risk of dying after a heart attack, A study suggests. Shouldn't they be able to tell from the Brits? They drink a lot of tea. <laughs> the study of 1900 heart attack victims found those who drank the most tea before their heart attacks, about 19 cups a week, were 44% less likely than non-drinkers to die in the three or four years afterward. Moderate drinkers, or those who had fewer than 14 cups, had a 28% lower death rate. The study looked at deaths from all causes, not just heart disease. I have to say the magnitude of the association we found between tea drinking and mortality in people who survive a heart attack was pretty dramatic, certainly more so than I think I would have expected, said Dr. Kenneth Muckamal, assistant professor of medicine at Harvard Medical School, where they're famous for doing a lot of these bogus studies. The study was published in today's issue of the American Heart Association journal Circulation. Several studies have found that regular tea drinkers seem to have a lower risk of heart attacks, though it remains unclear Why? Researchers involved in the latest study suspect the findings are linked to flavonoids, antioxidants found naturally in various foods derived from plants. Tea is a major source of flavonoids in the American diets. We found that tea drinkers generally had lower death rates regardless of age, gender, smoking status, obesity, hypertension, diabetes or previous heart attack, Mukamal said. Alice Lichtenstein Do I don't they have a country named after her? At least. A nutrition professor at Tufts University said more research must be done before a firm relationship is established between tea and heart health. She said there might be other aspects of the participants' diets that could account for the results. The researchers acknowledge that this is always the case, that more study is needed. In other words, they don't know a goddamn thing.
5: So anyway, they, yes, Satellite Beach is just south of Cocoa Beach, right by Patrick Air Force Base.
2: What did I tell you? Cocoa Beach. Where they got the great beaches, man. Beautiful beaches in Cocoa Beach. I'm going there right now, as a matter of fact. I'm heading for there. I'm going to get on my surfboard and hang 10 centimeters.
1: God,
8: Neil. This week's book recommendations from the Jerry Springer Book Club are Living in the Backseat of a Camaro, Me and My Mullet, The Do It Yourself, Home Dentistry Kits, My Brother's Cheating on Me, Nine Kids in a Winnebago, It's Not Incest After They're Married, Curious George and The Hungry Rottweiler, and Possum Soup for the Soul. The Jerry Springer Book Club at Boredom's Books.
2: 1132 at 560 WQM. We need some help from some of our stockbroker friends out there in Radioland. That one in particular that's always faxing me the good stuff. Because I see the uh, Dow's up about 55 points, but the NASDAQ, which is just... That's all vanishing. All the tech stuff is down another 10 or 11 points. And there's no end in sight. It just keeps going down every single day. In the low 1500s, and on the way to, like, uh, who knows, maybe 1,000. Oh, breaking news from CNN. I love when Very that early
10: on. word of a plane crash. We're getting word from the Associated Press of an Egypt airplane that apparently has crashed, according to the Associated Press, in Tunis, Tunisia. Once again, this would involve... An Egypt, aircraft, an Egypt airplane,
9: and uh, that's about all we have. Okay, thank you. <laughs> that's it.
2: That's all they got. And it could have just been an accident. It could have been like uh, something else, or it might not have been. It could be this, it could be that. And let's have a big discussion about that on uh, Talkback this afternoon at 3 o'clock oh, on CNN. Oh, that show. Yeah. What do you think? What do you think it was? You think it was like sabotage? You think it's like some crazed loner out there? And what about these pipe bombs? What about that? Huh? 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 What do you think? And what about that guy that flew into that building in Milan? Huh? Oh, my God. CNN, the hysterical news network. And, of course, the reason they're hysterical is because nobody's watching them anymore. People are watching Fox, which is kind of scary, but at least it's an alternative. And they're watching MSNBC. Not that many of them, though, which is why they're changing their lineup all around. And they're just uh, watching other stuff. You know, like tonight is Tuesday, so 9 o'clock they'll be watching Smallville. I guarantee everybody connected with this show will be watching it. I will be. Yep. Miguel will be watching it.
8: Got to check out Alias now, too.
2: Elian, He ain't here no more. Okay, get over it. Like I said, forget the Cuba stuff, will you please? Yeah, we got 9 o'clock. We got the Smallville on tonight. And, of course, uh, no important hockey game. We got some of the other stuff going on. But, you know. We can wait till tomorrow for another desperate losing hockey performance by the Leafs. Hey, that's okay, you know. Get it over with already. Enough is enough. It's almost June, for Christ's sakes. Man passes airport security with guns. All right. In New Orleans, no less. Isn't it funny how the really uh, the smegma seems to, like, uh, drift south. It just kind of like, uh, you know, you can just see it in the streams and in the Mississippi River. And a man carried two loaded handguns through a security checkpoint at Lewis Armstrong. Can you believe that? I never even knew there was such a place. Louis Armstrong International Airport on Monday, but was arrested at a random check before he boarded a flight to L.A. I've been in New Orleans for so many years, and I don't think I ever flew there anyway. Did you? I've never been to New Orleans. Oh, good man. Believe me, that's one of the highlights of your life is the fact you've never been there. What a turlet. God. In fact, when you used to hear that flushing sound on All in the Family when Archie would go upstairs, that was Nolene's used to hear. A turlet. (laughs) That's the one. FBI Special Agent Julian Gonzalez said the semi-automatic handguns were found in the man's backpack at the Continental Airlines gate at Louis Armstrong International Airport. I wonder if you have to wipe your forehead over there when you go there. It's real hot. The man Carlos Stevens, 30, said he worked for No Limits Records and told investigators he needed the guns in his work, according to acting U.S. Attorney Jim Letton. But I don't think they're letting him do it again. However, Roy Malm, Jr., a joy-eyed lawyer for No Limits, said Stevens is not employed by the company, but as an independent contractor. He's worked with No Limit. Stevens was charged with attempting to carry weapons aboard an aircraft. Stevens carried the guns through an X-ray security ch- uh, checkpoint run by St. Louis-based Huntley USA Corp. Airport officials said a call to Huntley was not immediately returned. Again, I consider this a massive failure. Whoever's responsible is messing up terribly, Letton said. As they keep letting them through there with the weapons again, only just a random check that they actually find a guy had the guns before I got on the plane. <clears throat> They're doing a hell of a job. <coughs> so speaking of getting all choked up about the stock market. Not that I want to talk about it because I know it's boring and very depressing. Maybe some of our, uh, experts out there, cause, cause you've seen some of these stocks like, uh, Oracle and like, uh, Sun, which we were, you know, Sun is like under six dollars now. I think yeah. it's around six bucks. Six bucks. A bargain. And, and Palm, of course, which I have a Schmidt load of Palm, uh, like two bucks in change and small change. And you have to begin to wonder whether some of these companies are going to go out of business, whether it's not a good idea to just dump it for whatever you can get out of it now while it's are getting it still good, or whether somebody, a lot of these companies are just going to go bust, like maybe even Cisco and Oracle, for crying out loud, which Oracle is about, huh? Oracle's about 8 bucks now. I mean, everything and uh, anything connected with tech, anything, anybody who even knew uh, somebody with the tech industry, automatically it's just in the toilet. Single digits, most of the stuff, and close to it. Nokia? AOL, all of it. So we need uh, inquiring minds want to know. Maybe you'll fax us something. 305 Three zero five six five zero one nine eight. Not that necessarily we're going to take your advice, but at least you know a little pat on the head would be good. 305 Three zero five six five zero one nine eight. Because we're not taking any calls, are we? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely, positively not. Hey, by the way, for some of you uh, hot babes out there, which we know we don't have listening, Fox looking for talent in Miami Beach. Brittany wannabes, here's your chance. This from the Herald, no less, so there's a chance it might be true. Fox TV is looking for talented 16- to 24-year-olds to audition in Miami Beach to compete in the network's new TV series, American Idol, The Search for a Superstar, premiering June 11. A panel of judges will evaluate each each individual on talent, ability, look, and style to come up with a short list of contestants to perform on-air weekly. The home audience will vote weekly via phone for their favorite contestant and his or her future status as an American Idol. Oh, his or her. Okay. Open auditions will be at 8 a.m. Saturday at the Fountain Blue Hotel, 4441 Collins Avenue, Miami Beach. Parents, please accompany youngsters under 18. Priest will not be allowed in. Auditions will be featured during the premiere show of the June 11th on Fox. For audition rules and requirements, visit www.fox.com slash How do you like that? Eight, 16 to 24-year-olds be in Miami Beach. Saturday 8 a.m. at the Fontainebleau Hotel, 4441 Collins Avenue, Miami Beach. If you think you're hot, if you think you're talented, if you think you're both of the above, you're probably not. George is going to be there, like, yeah, just hang out, uh, check my, out the scene, see who shows camera. up. There. In fact, why don't you arrange an appearance there? It would be good.
5: Uh, as a reporter.
2: Yeah, we probably can get Ira to, you know, bring a few sandwiches over there, something like that. Sure. I bet you he'd want to take a
4: peek. Hey, it's Howard. Howard David.
3: Yeah.
2: By the way, maybe you want to leave a uh, a message for the old man in the morning, the grumpy old man, that politically uh, correct is out, and long has been. Politically incorrect is in. Not the show, because Bill Maher is bad and it's a terrible show, but politically correct is definitely much more in than it ever was before. Politically correct is out. It's old. It's outdated. It's outmoded. Only old, old fogies want to be politically correct. 367 votes on our survey today, speaking of being politically correct. Do you have any problems with Neil's comedy bits or comments about race, we asked today? In the wake of the intemperate, grotesque remark that was made about 7.15 this morning on the Mo Howard show, about in the guise of shtick, I'm saying these horrible things on the air, and if they were done in any other market, I would certainly have a bullet in the head. Nice going there, Mo. Brilliant. I say instant suspension, at least till football season starts. No mistake about it. Do you have any problems with Neil's uh, comments about race and the comedy bits? Uh, no, and Howard David is an asshole, is leading the way as it has been from the get-go. 159 votes on that. No, they're funny as hell, 136 votes. Yes, he's a racist, 47, but down to 12.8% now on that, who think I'm a racist. In addition to which, let me ask you, is there something wrong with being a racist? No, not really. At least you're honest. No. And then, no, I, and haven't I always said that, that I have a yes. problem? I have a problem with dark folks, because they are just there too many dark folks who are scumbags, and that doesn't make me a bad guy, because I have the balls to say that, okay? Some other people just want to sugarcoat everything, just like talking about Bud Selig and saying, I'm sure he's a very nice man. He's not a nice man. He's an asshole. He's an asshole. He's a game player. He's a liar. He's devious. He makes all kinds of dishonest backdoor deals. He went right in front of Congress and lied through his teeth about the uh, baseball owners losing all that money. But I'm sure he's a very nice man. Why why say that? You know, all this uh, old fuddy-duddy stuff about, well, if you can't say something nice about somebody. Yeah, that's pretty entertaining. Let's just do a nice show from now on and see how many people will continue to be listening. Who the hell wants to be nice? It's one thing to be nice in real life. This is a radio show, and this old man still don't get it. Anyway, am I getting worked up again about that? Little. a Little bit. Hey, I got news for you. If I was as grumpy and grouchy and bent out of shape as this guy gets about little minutia like those emails, I'd already have the lawyers on the goddamn phone. I'd be calling the FBI. I mean, here's a guy that's like, uh I don't even want to say it. You know what I'm, you know what I'm thinking right now? No. Well, good. Well, that's right. you got to stay out of it. You just, you just got to reprieve. Anyway, they're funny as hell, 139. Yes, he's a racist, 47, 12.6%. And, no, I agree with his comments in the comedy, but it's 25. So, like, 80, uh, what, 88% almost, 87.5%. 373. I just mentioned that in passing, okay? Because we're not thin-skinned on this show. We even give the audience every now and then, just like on this poll, a chance to take a little shot here and there. No, not not that kind of a shot, Howard. Not that kind of a shot. You Maniac. You lunatic! You, you just obsessive, silly-haired old man with your lime green pants, pontificating with his social commentary about today. I, I yeah, see. I would like to follow somebody that I could really get excited about. Look at the way with Rick and Suds, the way we bonded there. And even though uh, you know they were okay when they were doing the mornings and I come in an hour early, we would bond. Look at the uh, little, little sp- spillover that Hank and I had. Their little crossover at two o'clock. That was fun. Because Hank and I love each other, okay? We like each other a lot. I'm not talking about, you know, we're too big to love each other that way, and Hank's got too many hookers on line. But the fact of the matter is that uh, we're good friends, like uh, on the air anyway. Not that we go out and eat together or, like, hang out at the strip joints together. But the fact of the matter is uh, I like Hank, and he likes me, and we get along just fine, in spite of all the ass-kissing that certain other people are trying to do to him, which it ain't having no effect, by the way, Mo. It has not had no impact. He's unimpressed. And, by I the way, joke. so is Dave Johnson. So is Dave Johnson. Unimpressed. With you and your hairpiece. Anyway, did I make my point? Three counts dismissed against ex-Dolphin star in arson case. See, I try to play it fair. In other words, I don't just bring the stories on when some jock or ex-jock has got, you know, if if he gets off, so to speak. Squirt, squirt. We'll be delighted to put it on. Although it's still in limbo. Fort Lauderdale, says the Sun Sentinel. Circuit Judge Joel Lazarus on Monday dismissed three charges. firebombing, attempted murder, and attempted aggravated battery against former Army Dolphin safety Gene Atkins citing a lack of evidence. Ah! The only remaining charge left against Atkins is solicitation to commit a firebombing, a third-degree felony punishable by up to five years in prison. He had faced a maximum of ten years on the four charges. How come we haven't had any faxes yet from our stockbroker friends like the guy Raymond James? I don't think they understand what the question is. The question is, is it time to dump all of those like uh, like uh, uh, Citrix and uh, Cisco and uh, and all of those? What was the other ones I mentioned? Oracle? Yeah. Sun? Are they going to go out of business is what I'm worried about, and I'd like to get something out of them before they go bust, because the NASDAQ seems to be uh, having a hole in it, just like my portfolio. It's like a sieve. You keep putting water in, and it keeps leaking out the bottom. There is no evidence of direct participation, Lazarus said. He also said there was no evidence that met the reasonable mind standard, one on which most people would agree that Atkins do in advance about the crime. Lazarus will probably be asked by the prosecution to reconsider the dismissal of three counts when trial resumes today. Earlier in the day yesterday, Atkins denied in court ever asking anyone to firebomb or otherwise harm his ex-business partner. Atkins, on trial in a Broward County courtroom for attempted second-degree murder and related charges stemming from the April 1998 firebombing in suburban Miramar, testified for about 20 minutes in his own defense. Defense attorney Fred Haddad engaged Atkins in a rapid-fire question-and-answer session about the early morning attack with Molotov cocktails that left the home of Alfred Simmons in flames. It was flaming. Atkins said he supplied the money for the construction partnership, and Simmons, Atkins' college roommate, brought the know-how in contacts. The business folded months after Simmons left to join a rival firm. In his denials, Atkins contradicted testimony of three prosecution witnesses who said he hired them to mess up Simmons in revenge for leaving the construction business. The two had started around 1996. The three men were convicted in the firebombing. How do you like that? Antonio Holloway. Oh, Antonio. Although it, it is now here, it's printed Antiono. Now, that can't be right, can it? Never heard of that before. No. Well, it's a dark name. I, you know how they butcher those names. And See, there he goes again. Yep. Antonio Holloway served the year. Uh, and wasn't it sweet seeing Antonio talking to, oh, that's right, you'll see it today down there on NBC. Yeah, Antonio calls uh, Pilar today, calls Mamacita from uh, Bermuda, wherever the hell they're hanging out, just as that guy's about to shoot him. Jesus, everybody's getting shot these days. Getting ready to shoot him and Sheridan, that guy, for because he's pissed off and going to get even revenge for something that we don't know about yet. That's on passions for those of you who don't have good taste in watching TV or busy wasting uh, your time watching stupid stuff like Meet the Press. I'll tell you one thing. That Tim Russert, he ought to be red in the face, you know, for the way he sucked up on that Catholic Church thing. Who are you kidding, Tim, baby? Who are you kidding, huh? Here's another one, which, well, how come nobody's talking about this? Anthrax. Here in St. Louis. That's right. Let me say it again. Anthrax. Scare in St. Louis. Authorities are investigating the possibility that a white powder inside a litter opened yesterday in the Thomas Eagleton Federal Building in downtown St. Louis might be anthrax. We ran a task force over there for an anthrax scare, said Fire Department Captain Bob Heinecke. A letter whose postmark indicated had been sent from out of state was open at 1 p.m. in the building's central mail location, said Don Hines, Chief Pubic Affairs for the U.S. Marshal Service in Washington. Emergency protocols went into effect. The appropriate agencies were notified. Hazmat, Fire, Public Health, he said. They were on the scene conducting investigation yesterday. But evidently, since we haven't heard no more well, sometimes it takes them a couple of days, right? At least. Like everything else, we just don't know. Not that we should be coming unglued by this, but it just seems to me that when it comes to things that the government ought to know about, we just don't know. Like, where's uh, Osama Yamama? Is he still alive? We don't know. Where's this lunatic that's putting the pipe bombs in the mailboxes all over the uh, West and now in Texas today, in Amarillo? I don't know. We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. How's uh, Ted Kaczynski doing? Well, well up, until his, uh, brother, up until his brother spilled the beans, we didn't know about that either.
8: Come and listen to my story about a man named Ted. A Harvard graduate hearing voices in his head. And then one day he was feeling kind of weird. He moved to Montana and grew himself a beard. Crazy, that is. Psychopath, strange eyes. Well, the first thing you know, Ted begins to brood. Kinfolk said, Ted, that's a unibomber, dude. Said, California's where the trial's gonna be. So they loaded up the shack and moved it carefully. Exhibit A, jury pools, weird smells. His lawyer says that Ted's the craziest. If you don't believe it, just read his manifest. Ted says he did it cause he hates technology, and that's why he mailed all those people TNT. Mail call, letter bomb, duck and cover. Well, now it's time to say goodbye to Ted and his defense, and he would like to thank you folks for paying the expense. You're all invited back again to this locality to buy the first edition of his autobiography, soon to be a movie, HBO. Jerry Springer. Y'all tune in now, you hear?
2: And speaking of, I don't know, guess why we're not getting no facts from our friend at Raymond James or any of the other brokerage people? That's right, they don't know. They don't know. Maybe they don't want to give me any advice because they're afraid I'm going to rip them an ass on the air if I like sell Cisco or Sun and they wind up going up in about six months to like triple what they are right now or quadruple or like up to a hundred bucks. See, nobody knows the trouble we've seen. With all this chicanery, with the so-called investment crap. And that's what it is. It's a pile of crap. Oh, well, Citrix is gonna do this, and this one's gonna do that, and these are great companies, they're not gonna go out of business. Yeah, that was part of the line from my old friend Mitch Hirsch. Oh, these people aren't gonna go out of business, are they? So what are you worried about? It always comes back. Right. How's it doing right now now that you mentioned it, okay, Mitch? Dow's Where up? the hell is it? Come on, flip flip that thing on there. Flip it, you jackasses. Oh, the S&P is up 0. .22, 22 cents. Whoopie-doo, baby. The Dow's up 52, but, of course, the Dow's only 30 socks. Let's see that. We don't care. Oh, the NASDAQ's down. NASDAQ's only down 4.5. Oh! Let's have a party. Let's rekindle the goddamn QM ratings party. The NASDAQ's only down less than 5 points now, and maybe making a comeback today. It might make about 23 cents. In fact, it seems to me the last time the NASDAQ had an update which is like one out of the last 18, something like that, it was up about 23 cents or 36 cents. I'm pretty sure of that because I remember the day. Boy, I don't want to get people all bent out of shape just because of the fact we're watching our money vanish. And the more you keep putting in there, it just keeps falling out the bottom. And I'm not talking about putting more into your stocks. But no matter what you put it in, the total value of your portfolio keeps vanishing and vanishing and vanishing because every day it just keeps uh, disappearing. Nice going there, W. You're doing a hell of a job of the economy, baby. Just a few more tax cuts for the rich people. That should do it. Miami cop charged with stealing and burning own squad car. A city of Miami police officer has been charged with torching his own police car, which was found burned after reported it stolen, Dade County police said. In addition to arson, Kenny Carpenter, 39, was charged Friday with tampering with evidence and official misconduct for the April 25th report. Carpenter bonded out of Dade County Jail Sunday for 15 grand, said jail spokeswoman Chandra Gavin. Carpenter, Chandra? Carpenter repeatedly changed his statements about the incident and, and had asked the investigating detective to ignore his previous statements, Dade police said. An assistant public defender was at the bond hearing, but the office said that yesterday Carpenter would likely have his own attorney at future hearings. City of Miami police spokesman Delvish Moss referred questions on a case to Miami-Dade detectives yesterday. Moss and Dade police spokesman Ed Munn said they didn't know why Carpenter would torch his police car. Carpenter's statement to police following his arrest will not be made public for another three weeks, Munn said. What the hell would that be all about? That's interesting. Carpenter first told city police that the white 1998 Taurus, complete with shotgun, pistol, and lights, was stolen from in front of his house in the Kendall area April 23rd. The car was found a day later burned to a hulk. That's what it says here, burned to a hulk? At Southwest 117th Avenue, 152nd Street, in an unincorporated area of the county patrolled by Miami-Dade. How do you like that? He burned his own patrol car, but maybe in three weeks they'll tell us and maybe not. Just like you said, we don't know. 1156 like, at 560 WKM. Are we getting any more faxes or maybe your fax machine isn't working? Because I'm sure no the working room,
5: James. Still getting bull crap from uh, chronic faxers, but nothing good. Nothing good about the stock market? Nothing good about anything.
2: See, you can't get any advice. You can't get any guidance. You can't get any counsel. We've ju- we're just been turned adrift here with all our money like down the toilet. And any hopes of getting it back or forget about it. Just kiss it goodbye.
7: I want to bang you in the butt, honey. Oh, you know what? I forgot, don't you? Forgot what did you get? Oh, one, one,
1: Steve, you can call me Gauch.
4: Whenever I'm in town, I listen to. Wait a minute, I am in town. Don't step on it. Do you like boots a lot? Yes, I like boots a lot. Boots a lot, boots a lot. You gotta like boots, you lot. Really like boots a lot. Really like boots a lot. Gotta like boots a lot. Boots a lot, boots a lot. Gotta like boots a lot. Down in the locker room, just three boys. Beating down the locker room with all that noise. Into. Do you like boots you a lot? Gotta sobre- like boots a lot. Boots a lot. Gotta like boots a lot. Do you wear your chocolate? lot? Yes, I'm wearing a lot. Got to wear your chocolate. lot. Chocolate, chocolate, gotta chocolate. got to wear your chocolate. You got to wear your chocolate. Got to wear your chocolate. Runs down on the football, football field. You never can tell what a real can do, so you got to wear your chocolate. You got to wear your chocolate. Chocolate, chocolate, got to wear your chocolate. If you I had a fling
0: along, if I had a fling along, if I had a long. Time? No.
2: Just Saturday during the running of the Derby, they were like, um, it was the 25th anniversary of Seattle Slough winning the Derby in 1977, and they had all these features and they were showing the, the three races, et cetera, and so on. Guess what happened? He died. During back surgery, he died. He died? Yeah. Seattle Slough dead at 28. Boy! Of course, even George remembers Seattle Slough. Sure. sure. You've heard the name. Absolutely. Written Absolutely. by Frenchman Jean Cruget, the Frenchman. Yeah, he was the jockey, and, of course, uh, everybody was a little bit nervous about him because he was known to be a little bit erratic. And after he won the first two legs, the Preakness and the, uh, um, the, the Kentucky Derby and then the Preakness, a lot of people said, hey, he's definitely a cinch to win the Triple Crown as long as the Frenchman doesn't fall off. That was the joke, as long as he doesn't fall off. And then, of course, during the stretch run, as he was several lengths ahead in the Belmont and on the way to the Triple Crown, as they approached the wire, Jean Kruget stood up in the saddle and raised the whip to salute the crowd, and everybody held their breath. Exactly, just like that. Seattle slew dead at 28. Oi! Peeing on our parade. Sorry about that. Sorry, I always got to give you bad news. Here's something that's uh, pretty interesting that I've been holding on to for several days, and I appreciate this being faxed to me, and probably whoever faxed it said, when the hell are you going to read this? No faxes yet on the stock market, huh? No. No. Look at all the times that I didn't want any advice, that I was saying I'm never going to put another dime in my life in the market, and look at all the times I was getting those faxes unsolicited from our good friend, especially the guy at the Raymond James and Associate Stockbrokers. Maybe they're all in jail or something. <laughs> Maybe all the stockbrokers are in jail together. Ow! Oh, we can only hope. No, I'm sure not that guy, although we'd never know. But now that I'm asking for advice, should I get rid of this? Should we all dump it? Should we get rid of our Cisco? Should we get rid of our Shitrix? Should we get rid of our son, Palm, all of these things? Nothing. Nothing. That's okay. But anyway, the following is a letter read by author Claire Braz Valentine at this year's celebration of the Muse at Cabrillo College. Are you know where Cabrillo College is? No idea. Neither do I. Anyway, it's worth knowing that the author is a woman of 60-plus years, conservatively dressed, and obviously quite talented. It's an open letter to John Ascroft, Attorney General of the United States. It says, On January 28, 2002, Attorney General John Ascroft announced he spent $8,000 of taxpayers' money for drapes to cover up the exposed breast of the spirit of justice, an 18-foot aluminum statue of a woman that stands in the Department of Justice's Hall of Justice. John, 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 you've got your priorities all wrong. While men fly airplanes into skyscrapers, dive-bomb the Pentagon, while they stick explosives into their shoes and then book a seat right next to us, while they hide knives in their luggage, steal kids on school buses, take little girls from beds at night, drive trucks into our state capitol buildings, while our president calls dangerous men all over the world evildoers and devils, while we live in the threat of biological warfare, nuclear destruction, annihilation, you are out buying yardage to save Americans from the appalling, alarming, abominable aluminum alloy of evil, the terrible ten-foot titty. You might not (laughs) be able to find bin Laden, but you sure as hell found the hooter in the Hall of Justice. It's not that we aren't grateful, but while we're begging the women of Afghanistan to not cover up their faces, you're begging your staff members to just cover up that nipple to save the American people from that monstrous metal mammary. How can we ever thank you? So in your office every morning in your secret prayer meeting, while an American woman is sexually assaulted every six seconds, while anthrax floats around a post office and settles in the chest of senior citizens, you've got another chest on your mind. While American sons arrive home in body bags and heat-seeking missiles fly around a foreign country looking for any warm body, you think of another body. And you pray for the biggest bra in the world, John, because you see that breast on the spirit of justice in the spirit of your own inhibited sexuality. And when we see, when we women see our grandmothers, our mothers, our daughters, our granddaughters, our sisters, ourselves, when we women see that statue, the spirit of justice, we see the spirit of strength, the spirit of survival, while every day we view innocent bodies dragged out of rubble and women and children laid out like thin limp dolls and baptized into death as collateral damage and the hollow-eyed Afghani mother's milk has dried up underneath her burqa in famine and shame, and her children are dead at her breast. While you look at that breast, John, that jug on the spirit of justice, and deal with your thoughts of lust and sex and nakedness, we see it as a testimony to motherhood, and you see it as a tit. It's not the money it costs, it's the message you send. We've got the right to live in freedom, we've got the right to cheat Americans out of millions of dollars and then just not want to tell Congress about it. We've got the right to drop bombs night and day on a small country that has no army, no navy, no military at all because we've got the right to bear arms, but just we better not even think about the right to bear breasts. So now, John, you can be photographed while you stand there and talk about guns and bombs and poisons without the breast appearing over your right shoulder, without that bodacious bosom bothering you. And we just wanted to tell you, in the spirit of justice and the spirit of truth, John, there's still one very big boob left standing there in that picture. Pretty good, huh? Yeah, let's hear it for Claire Braz Valentine All right. at Cabrillo College, wherever the hell it is. I'm saving that. I'm putting that over my column of stuff to save, which I don't have that many of them that I save. Any stock market stuff and the <laughs> stuff that you're faxing here is, no. is all crap. I normally wouldn't in fax a dramatic... a Drudge
5: thing, but I thought this begged to be faxed. Hey, listen.
2: He listens to the show, mad Drudge. I'm sure fan. he's probably looking uh, for a little publicity here. Can't hurt. I he's thought it was on 8,000 stations. Oh, this is the only thing that you faxed? There's a bunch of blank pages. Ah. Oh, geez. Thought we had some good stock advice on here for crying out loud. Oh, hey you stockbrokers out there, no wonder you've gone into hiding. You assholes, you grave robbers, you, you hucksters of crap, you dreckmeisters. Anyway, in the Drudge Report, which you're right, we seldom do read because he's a silly person. He's a silly lady. He says in a dramatic reversal from normal radio practice, stations are being paid big bucks to carry Bill O'Reilly's new nationally syndicated talk show, the Drudge Report can now disclose. O'Reilly's radio flagship in New York City, W O R, alone is being paid three hundred grand, according to sources, just to carry the Cable Star's radio program, which launches tomorrow. By the way, did we find out which station's carrying it in South Florida or if no. one is carrying it? No, no. Difficulty clearing O'Reilly in the Washington, D.C. market raised the payout price to 200000 according to insiders, a payout that was rejected by all major stations in the region. How do you like that? I like it. It is not known if KABC in L.A. was awarded cash to run the daily program. Incentives to carry O'Reilly came after syndicator Westwood One Infinity, Infinitive uh, Viacom, which is all uh, together, had trouble placing the controversial TV host and best-selling author. Unlike his targeted radio competitor, Flush Limbaugh, who's never paid attention, paid stations to carry his... That's that's not right. Uh-oh. Not true. Not true. When Rush Limbaugh was on QAM, they were paying the station to carry it. I know that for a fact. I know that for a fact. So once again, Matt Drudge. Oh, boy. Hook him up with Tom Jicka. Unlike Lush, uh, Lush Limbaugh, who's never paid stations to carry his broadcast, which is incorrect, O'Reilly launches this week under a cloud of controversy, says Matt Drudge. This is without precedent in the spoken word format of commercial radio, noted a broadcast executive who personally rejected an O'Reilly offer. But a source close to the O'Reilly no-spin team explains, this is simply money for marketing. As first reported in this space last November, Fox News host O'Reilly has been planning to join the radio wars. Initially uh, denying a deal was afoot. Months later, O'Reilly and syndicator Westwood once struck a deal. The Radio Factor with Bill O'Reilly is the biggest launch in the history of talk radio to air a record 205 radio stations nationwide, trumpeted a business wire press release issued by O'Reilly syndicator this week. Stations ready to air the program include WAIT in Chicago, WTC, KC, I can't even say it, KTCT, San Francisco, KRLD in Dallas, and WALK in Atlanta, which I never heard of in my life. Nice going here, Matt Drudge, but a bad mistake because the Limbaugh people did play to pay WQM to carry it before it went over to uh, wherever it went, INZ, IOD, wherever you wound up. Gee, a lot of people making a lot of mistakes, I'll tell you that. Twelve minutes afternoon of at QM. Don't you make a mistake this year by sending flowers to Mom again for Mother's Day because it's old, it's stale, you know?
9: It just keeps getting bigger. The story that rocked
4: Palm Beach in the world dude, throw on some boxer shorts, let's cruise our bar,
0: and rage with some babes. Excellent. Power, money, women, and punting. Uncle Dad, dude, let's
4: use our infamous last names to impress these babes and do the wild
0: Like to Swim Naked, oh, William Kennedy Smith and Ted Kennedy in Bill and Tez' Excellent Adventure, Part 2, The Next Genitalia.
1: Excellent!
0: Coming soon to appear to be a new, rated X for Excellent. Thank you, Paul.
2: Call Castanova and one of the two great bits he ever did in his life. One of the original ideas, one of the two he ever had in his life. How's young Ron doing? Is he okay? What's wrong with you? Nestle's turtle, baby. So I went to my Dominion yesterday. I got some very good news for you. Yeah. Now you can imagine in a big, beautiful, brand new supermarket that has that's got like about like a dozen different parts of the store where they have freezer compartments with all kinds of frozen like pizzas and vegetables and everything, desserts. So the ice cream area is like enormous, huge. But the good news is they only had Nestle's turtle in half gallons. Lucky you. No, I'm, I didn't buy it. If oh. I would have eaten a half gallon, I probably wouldn't be here right now. I would have brought it home and, and uh, edit. But they do have it. And why would that be, I wonder? I think, I guess, to get the smaller containers, you have to go like to convenience stores in uh, little dinky places to get little dinky sizes. Only one liter, which is more than a quart, by the way. I just mentioned Everybody down there has been trying to find Nestle's Turtle, and you won't find it because it's not down there, eh? Can't get it. No, half a gallon not. though. I guess I could like you know eat a little bit of it at a time, like a little bit. Okay? Yeah, sure. yeah, sure. No, I wouldn't. Commando Cody, I think, was the real name of Rocket Man. But I'm going to take that survey either tomorrow, or like someday, about your favorite action uh, figure, cartoon, comic book, serials. Now, did we figure was it the Passion Plays? Was that what she called it? You know Eddie what? Bates. I think you're right. The Passion Plays. I mean, what well, what does that mean? Passion Plays? They were there were serials. They were like 15 minute little uh, serials that were continued every Saturday. There was uh, Superman One and. Uh, Rocket Man, which I think it was really officially called Commando Cody. Maybe somebody will fax me that answer, too, but I don't think so. I think our so. fact now is only to be used for crap, from what you're telling me.
5: Got a nice Wall Street article here. No advice, just how corrupt they are.
2: No, I, I don't want articles about Wall Street. I don't want stories. I don't want exposés. I want advice. I want information. The audience, I'm sure there are a lot of people out there who are like crap in their pants. Let's see. The Dow's up by 88. Let's hear it from the Dow.
9: Oh! Uh look assuming that from all of that information they were able to glean something Luke John Helder uh, but named but his no pipe bomb is, no suspect for sure all they're saying is we are interested at this time in talking to the we being law enforcement We're interested in talking to him uh, and again he has not been charged
2: yeah, and Kelly oftentimes law enforcement will have a list of suspects a list of people that they essentially track based on previous uh, run-ins or previous experiences was this a man who was on that list do we know
9: I do not
2: know, Bill. Yeah, okay. All right, Kelly Arena there, live in Washington. There's a whole lot we do not know, but certainly, Kelly, want to cut you loose so that you can able... Yeah, cut her loose. Luke John Helder named his pipe bomb suspect. Does that mean they got him in custody? 22 years old, is that right?
9: That's right, 22 white, uh, dark-haired, blue eyes, I'm told.
4: Okay, Honda Accord with Minnesota.
9: Green price. eyes. I'm sorry, green Bill, eyes, green okay. eyes. We don't All want right. put oh, any, okay. get that right to put any information.
4: Got it. Thank you, Kelly. Come back when we get more,
2: okay? Okay, so obviously they don't have him in custody yet, but Luke John Helder, Holder, Helder, named his pipe bomb suspect. Oh, the Nasdaq's up five and a half points. Oh! Like I said, uh, don't send me any advice, okay? <laughs> Oh, man, investing my ass. What did I tell you? Wasn't (laughs) I the one guy that had the balls to say it? It's not investing, it's gambling. You're gambling. There's no more investing anymore in America. It's gambling. Wild, highly speculative gambling, only for people that got lots of money to lose. Speaking of losing money, what about a Vegas story? Sounds good to me. The mobsters who brought Las Vegas to life may soon be called upon to save its sad old downtown. Bugsy Siegel and his boys are long gone and organized crime is the last thing the sultans of the scrubbed-up strip want to talk about these days. But Las Vegas Mayor Oscar Goodman has just suggested that the city start showcasing its sordid gangster era by opening a mob museum. Boy! A lot of people here want to forget the past or keep trying to erase it, he said. But I've never been ashamed of where the city came from. We ought to bring back some of the mystique. I think he's got a good point, you know what? More than just a museum. Yeah. I mean, the, the mystique, I think, is what it's all about. That's why everybody loves the godfather. There's that or the, the family thing and the the uh, consigliere, the whole organization of the family and the food. And they throw in your sausages and the meatballs. All, all of these things, you know, and the church and the baptizing Connie's baby while they're blowing everybody away. Yeah, that's what it's all about. That's why everybody loves the godfather. It's the mystique. I suggested to Mo this morning must stick it up your ass. Anyway, it goes on to say, Goodman, a celebrated lawyer who spent his career defending underworld figures before being elected mayor three years ago, is the kind of guy who likes to sip martinis in a shiny suit and dream up ideas just crazy enough to work. And this one could be a beauty, it says. I think it's a winner. Las Vegas, as luck would have it, is about to take control of a 70-year-old federal building that's an architectural gem, and it's only a few miles from the vibrant strip in a dreary corner of downtown that most tourists avoid and that city leaders are de- desperately trying to revitalize. Yeah, downtown to me. I mean, I, mean, I know yeah. they did a lot of stuff down there. I, I don't like downtown. And so many people say to me, oh, when you go to Vegas next time, really got to go downtown. That's where everybody wins down there. I, 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 it's, I don't like it. No one's decided what to do with the building yet, but Goodman recently unveiled his vision for it, a museum filled with mom memorabilia. Goodman even promised to donate treasures from his personal collection of gangster artifacts, including an original tape of a mafia induction ceremony. Wow. Wouldn't you love to hear that? Absolutely. Right now. We're talking about we're talking about the real thing, not some glamorized, uh, romanticized thing from uh, Francis Ford Coppola. The building of former federal courthouse was the site of a famous 1950 Senate hearing that investigated the gaming industry's links to organized crime. The irony of opening a mob museum in the same place delights the mayor. Many in Las Vegas, which has spent the past decade trying to clean up much of its act, aren't so sure they want to remind anybody about that part of the city's history. Still, the idea seems to be winning some support. I guess you can't deny the city's colorful past, said Erica Brandvick, a spokesman for the Las Vegas uh, Convention and Visitors Authority. I think it's a great idea. Let's do it. Let's do it. Let's get the goddamn uh, body of uh, Meyer Lansky. And maybe we'll have, like, even a mummy of his little dog and put him in there in, in a museum. Huh? The little dog he used to walk on Collins Avenue? See, at one point he must have lived on Miami Beach. He must have had a condo on a beach because he lived in Hallandale. And when you notice in Godfather 2, they went to visit him, it was in Hallendale. Right. Remember that? Sure. Oi! But evidently, at one point in his illustrious, I think toward the end, when he got to be a real old Jew. He just lived in one of the high rises on Collins Avenue. And they always said all the old ladies used to really like him because he was very friendly when he was out walking his dog and would say good morning, and you'd see him like at Wolfie's, which is probably why it isn't there anymore. Have we heard any more, by the way, speaking of Wolfie's, about the new refurbished and revitalized Wolfie's they were going to build? No. Which said in that article? No. See what I mean? I mean, I'm not saying that I don't want to pour cold water on their parade, but when I had that article, those couple of days we talked about Wolfie's, just one more nail in the coffin, baby. All the good stuff—they're dying down there, all vanishing. Pretty soon, all you're going to have left is about 50 La Carretas all around town. That's going to be it. No more delis, no more nothing. No, uh, you know, other than Emerald Coast, probably no more chinks. We got to save Emerald Coast. Very sad when Wolfie's closed down, and the articles kept saying, "Oh yeah, but they're going to build a brand new, like it's going to be better." And uh, yeah, I hope so for your sake, but don't depend on it. How many votes on that poll 442 heavy duty man heavy duty that's why they're not busy factioning right now they're busy on the poll they're working on it do you have any problems with Neil's uh, comedy oh and by the way, the caller the caller who was on the phone just like most of the callers being an ass sucker that he was whatever Howard would have said, Howard could have said, uh, I think that anybody who makes a racist comment should be like uh, we should we should bring him in here and shoot him right on it you know no matter what it was he would have said the caller said, oh absolutely right, Howard and that's exactly what he said." When he made that grotesque comment about people who are doing things allegedly uh, uh, tongue-in-cheek or allegedly doing shtick in the name. No, uh, hiding under the uh, guise of shtick doing things that they w- could take a bullet in the head for in any other market. The most intemperate comment, the most irresponsible, asinine comment in the history of talk radio. Nice going, Howie. Oh! And a caller, oh yeah, you're right, Howie. You're so right. Suck, 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 suck. You're so right. That's another reason callers suck. Most of them are just a bunch of suck-holes. Looking to ingratiate themselves and agree with whatever. Don't you think that, uh, yeah, don't you agree that, no. Yeah, I agree that most callers are assholes, yes. I was saying to George before the show today, most normal people, and when I say normal, that covers a lot of territory, especially coming from me, but most your average pedestrian run-of-the-mill people would not call a radio talk show. Would you agree with that? Absolutely. I wouldn't. It's just not something you do. Well, what's the point? 442 votes on the survey. The question today: Do you have any problems with Neil's comedy bits or comments about race? No. And Howard David is an asshole. 195 people said that. No, they're funny as hell. 165 said that. Yes, he's a racist. 53, 11.9 percent said that. And no, I agree with those comments. 29. So in other words, we got like uh, 88 percent on our side. Pretty good for this crowd. 88 percent. Stick that in your pipe and uh, or whatever you like. them, Howie.
4: Come on, baby.
3: Come play with these titties. Tim McVeigh. He's on trial for that fateful day. I am sure he's guilty as O.J. Do you believe in Tim McVeigh? Dave Koresh. Thought he stand up to the IRS Janet Reno and the ATF He took a beating in the press Why'd he place that bomb and cause so much strife? Will he get the chair or instead Will he get life to the Paranoid about the USA Heard a rumor that he might be gay According to Mike Fortier, I hate the government just as much as most of you but I'm not ignorant Though I have a low IQ Militiamen Most of them are doing 8 to 10 They can't have their weapons in the pen Well, Tim, if they be joining them Oh, will will see you no more.
2: I just mentioned I played that because of the fact that they uh, have got a lead on this guy. They're searching for him in Texas, the pipe bomb guy, okay, whatever the hell his name was before. What was his name? Moshi Popic. I forgot. They're searching for him in Texas. Here's a fax from Chris who says, Howard David should suck your <coughs> If it wasn't for you, WQM couldn't afford to pay him that ridiculous salary you make that station. And then it says, <coughs> him, Chris, F him. Thank you, Chris. And you are... Absolutely. Absolutely correct, sir. But that's okay, because he's a sourpuss with no sense of humor, I guess. Came into town thinking we were all going to, like, genuflect and get on our hands and knees and kiss his ass. It doesn't work that way, Howard, okay? It's like, uh, that's why people listen to this radio station, because it's outrageous, because we actually say something. We just don't sit around name-dropping and kissing each other's ass. And even Hank, who likes to name-drop, rips ass, okay? He kicks ass and rips ass as opposed to just kissing ass, just like that bit about Bud Sealing. I'm sure he's a very nice man. If I hear that one more time, I'm going to pick my guts out, okay, Howie? Finally, after much begging and pleading, now, again, this uh, guy named Don, and I thank him for faxing me this. It says, I serve on the pension board for a multimillion-dollar company, and um, I can barely read this. A multi-dollar, I'm sorry, a multimillion-dollar fund in Broward County. Last winter, I attended an investment conference in New Orleans that featured many top money managers from New York and elsewhere. At these conferences, the managers tend to tell the truth because they know institutional investors are invested for the long haul. Your local stock are afraid to scare you out of the market, so they tend to present a rosy scenario. Yeah, like Mitch Hirsch. Oh, don't worry, it always comes back. Right. The outlook from the majority of speakers was rather dismal. The most logical speaker, in my opinion, was a guy from Boston who had 30 years' experience running funds. He said the Dow would have at best a break-even year in 2002, but that the NASDAQ was overvalued and should eventually sink to a true value of about 1200 He said the only thing keeping it up was too much wishful thinking by people remembering 1999 valuations or refusing to accept 3% bonds. Only when reality sets in would they begin to sell in earnest. It looks like we may be reaching that point. Hope this helps, says Don. It helps a lot, Don. Thank you. God bless you for telling the truth. Telling the freaking truth instead of this crap that they peddle 24 hours, or at least when they're not doing infomercials and pretending to be a news station. Round the clock, about 15 hours a day on that freaking CNBC. I don't give a crap how many bags she's got under her eyes. Maria Bartiromo wouldn't know a goddamn stock if they stuck it up her ass, okay? All these uh, losers they got, all these pretenders they got on that network on CNBC, the gambling channel. They should be in jail right now, okay? They should find Osama Yamama and stick his ass right in there with all of them. Every one of them. Even our good friend Ted David. I'll give him a separate cell kosher. Oh, by the way, the good news is finally we got some good news today. Thank goodness. The Egypt Air crash in Tunis they were talking about before. Yeah. They had an emergency landing, no injuries, no fatalities. No, maybe you know, no fatalities. No big whoop. Yeah. Will the U.S. led coalition ever find Osama or his body? They asked on CNN. Yes, forty one percent. No. Fifty nine percent of the American public said, Hey, they're not going to find him or his body. No Osama, your mama. That goes to show you how little confidence we have, and rightfully so. They couldn't find a goddamn egg in an omelet, the FBI. But maybe they got this guy in Texas, and then again, maybe not. Man that for stalking Caroline Kennedy. Boy, the Kennedys sure got their problems these days, you know. Uh-huh. A Canadian man apparently obsessed with the Kennedys was awaiting arraignment yesterday on charges that he stalked Caroline Kennedy Schlossberg in the lobby of her Upper East Side apartment building official. That's the first name that I pronounce right today, and I'm very proud of it. Police said Sidney Waite, 39ers, 2, of Richmond, British Columbia, has been sending Schlossberg unsolicited letters and parcels for the past two years. Some of the letters contain threats, police said. Wade apparently never tried to contact Schlossberg in person before, police said, but last weekend he ventured to see her more than 3,000 miles from his home in Canada. Although he arrived at 4.30 p.m. Sunday, he told the doorman he had a 1 p.m. appointment with Schlossberg. The doorman grew suspicious because he knew Schlossberg wasn't home, police said. That's generally not a good idea. To say you have an appointment with somebody when they're not home? Are you expecting a call from somebody? Unless it's Greg Reed, of course, because then you know you won't get the call anyway. The doorman then recognized Wade's name, which the man had given him, and linked it to many letters and packages Slossberg received, police said. The doorman called the 19th precinct. On officers arrived 10 minutes later and took Wade into custody, police said. Oh, by the way, resolution is in limbo and a standoff at the Church of the Nativity in Bethlehem. Aren't you surprised by that? No. No. Oh, we got a deal. We don't have a deal. Uh, get Monty Hall in there to make a deal, okay, because you guys over there, Between the Arabs and the Jews and the Jews and the Arabs, Christ, they couldn't decide on where to eat deli. Oh, I think it's falafel today, don't you? Anyway, uh, this guy was charged by police with harassment, aggravated uh, harassment and stalking all misdemeanors. Schlossberg, 44, is the last surviving member of former President Kennedy's first family. She has a reputation for keeping a far lower profile than other relatives, including her brother, John F. Kennedy, Jr., who started a political magazine before he died in that plane crash in 1999. And just keep in mind that we're irreverent. See, we're also bastards on this show because we didn't suck his ass, JFK Jr., just like all the uh, tabloids did and all the other magazines did. Oh, he was uh, wonderful. Uh, what did he ever do? Started that magazine. Yeah, exactly. And crashed plus, that most, plane. Plus, most people with two eyes or even one eye believe that he was never, uh, he was never uh, JFK's son anyway. He looked like Aristotle. And we know that Jackie, bitch. We know what a slut she was. She was banging everything. And, of course, there was JFK. So there was a lot of banging going on, baby. So why has everybody so been out of shape about Bubba? That's what just, that's, that's what kills me about America. Such hypocrites. Your presidents have been screwing their brains out for years. I mean, uh, Roosevelt died there with his mistress at his side in Warm Springs or Hot Springs or, uh, you know, I don't think they were too hot with him. But nevertheless, it been going on forever. Jefferson with a, with the slaves he was banging. And now they're arguing about who's really the descendants of uh, Jefferson and the slave women and uh, all of this crap. Last time I checked, he was the, the turd president. You
1: turd. Yeah.
2: So that goes by, well, back a few uh, ways. But oh, my God, Bubba. And then they talk about, well, she was so young. But what the hell difference does that make? Every old fart with some money wants to bang some hot young chick. All you old farts out there that are salivating, that are yanking yourselves raw with pictures of Britney there, when there was Pepsi spots. Who the hell are you kidding, man? See, with that, now with this um, this new deal where, where you can like uh, eliminate the spots. What the hell was right. it? I was talking about it yesterday? I don't have that. What do they call it? TiVo and uh, yeah, TiVo. Te- well, I don't thing? have that one, but there's anyway, a couple with of them. A, with a, With a new technology where you can, like, eliminate the spots, that's out because now people are going back to the VCRs. They want to make sure they get the spots when Britney's on there. They don't want to miss any sporting events if Britney's Pepsi spots are going to be on there. And when she was 17, in fact, I guarantee if she would have been famous when she was 16, she uh, still probably looked pretty. See, I can't even say it because I know that Smallville's on tonight. She still looked pretty damn good when she was 16, okay? I'll guarantee you that. And these same old leches that were sitting there screaming about goddamn JF, about JFK and about, uh, Bubba and this one and that one. Although at least JFK had better taste. He was banging some hot looking chicks. One thing about Bubba, he don't care, you know? <laughs> he's a dog. If it, if it's warm, he's, uh, he's into it. More ways than one. Hey, how'd you like to have a big one? We're talking now, I see, Don't right away they want to put two and two together and get five and a half. We're talking about a big paycheck, a big impressive paycheck that you can do something with. If you do want one, then fast drink and help you get it.
7: Jim Mandich, I <laughs> fucked
8: This is Senator Ted Kennedy, and I want to talk about one of the most important priorities for America's future, cuts in education for every child in America. We cannot rebuild and modernize America's schools. The doors will be closed for many students. We ask you, the American people, to stand with us by letting the President and Congress know there's not one dollar in the budget for education. Democrats ask the President to join with us to keep billions of dollars and $600 billion in new tax breaks for the wealthy. Thank you for listening. You're welcome. (laughs) 1246
2: at 560 WQAM. So anyway, Luke John Helder, that's the name of the uh, scumbag that they're looking for? who's got, is it green eyes or blue eyes? Green. You sure? That's what they said. Green? Are you sure? Well, whatever he's got. He's got two eyes and a nose, and he's 22, and he's a punk. So somebody faxed me the text, which I already had this, but, you know, it'll kill some good time. The uh, text of the wording of the letter found with the pipe bomb, and this was the uh, one in uh, Scott County, Iowa. It says it doesn't know if it matches, this is from CNN.com. It's not known if it matches letters connected to the other mailbox uh, pipe bombs. And the uh, content is, it says, mailboxes are exploding. Why, you ask? Attention, people. You do things because you can and want, desire to. Uh, if the government controls what they want you to do, they control what you can do. If you're under the impression that death exists and you fear it, you do anything to avoid it. This is the same way pain operates. Naturally, we strive to avoid negative emotions slash pain. You allow yourself to fear death. World authorities allowed and still allow you to fear death. In avoiding death, you're forced to conform. If you fail to conform, you suffer mentally and physically. Are world powers utilizing the natural survival instincts in a way that allows them to capitalize on the people? To live, avoid death in this society, you're forced to conform slash slave away. I'm here to help you realize slash understand that you'll live no matter what. It's up to you people to open your hearts and minds. There's no such thing as death. The people I've dismissed from this reality are not at all dead. Huh? They're not at all dead. Conforming to the boundaries and restrictions imposed by the government only reduces the substance in your lives. Oh, so there's that substance, substance again. When 1% of the nation controls 99% of the nation's total wealth, it's a wonder that why there are controlled problems. Is it a wonder? Is it? The United States strives to provide freedom for their people. Do we really have personal freedom? I've lived here for many years, and I see so much limitation. Does the definition of freedom include limitation? I've learned about the history of various civilizations in history, and I see more and more limitation. Do people enjoy this trend of limitation? If not, change it. As long as you're uninformed about death, you'll continue to say how high when the government tells you to jump. As long as the government's uninformed about death, they'll continue to tell you to jump. Is the government uninformed about death, or are they pretending? You've been missing how things are for a very long, for very long. I'm obtaining your attention in the only way I can. More info is on its way. More attention getters are on the way. If I could, I would change only one person. Unfortunately, the resources are not accessible. It seems killing a single famous person will get the same media attention as killing numerous unfamous humans. There is less risk of being detained associated with dismissing certain people. Sincerely, someone who cares. P.S. More info will be delivered to various locations around the country. Signed, a crazy person. Just like that. A snark-raving crazy person. How do you like
5: them apples, huh? Remember when we used to get reams and reams of faxes just like that from someone in the audience? Mm -hmm. Crazy Mm -hmm. person. Mm-hmm. we mm-hmm. had to call the cops on. Mm-hmm.
2: Yeah, kind of like bubbles up in my mind now thinking about yeah. it. Yeah. Right. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Anyway, there you go. Zion America, baby. More more uh, support there for uh, what I've been talking about for years. Forced sterilization. When they find this scumbag and you look in the background out here in tea, you'll find some real smarmy crap. You know what I'm saying? I wonder which side of the trailer park he grew up on. Now, see, there you go again, making all those comments, those racist comments about white trailer trash, which has nothing to do with dark people, by the way. Oh, and I was thinking before, which I neglected to mention this. Who do you think is the white, is the dark folks in South Florida, their favorite cracker radio personality? That's a good question. Who do you think? Well, we don't have enough dark folks to take a pull on it. Plus, other people would dick with our pull. But you see what I'm getting at? Sure. I have a feeling it's almost certainly... Oh, God. I could be wrong about that. But I think if you went out there like tonight, about 10, 11 o'clock, you know, just drive over there in Overtown, Liberty City, drive around town and just roll down your windows and ask, uh, who do you be like what white guy you like on the radio? Who do you listen to? You want to do that? No, I'm not going to be the one to do that. Why, well, why not? I don't go to that part we, of town. We, we just asked and uh, Mo said that's a good idea. That'd be a good place to send George. He said he would go because he's stupid.
7: He's stupid. 10... Roll another blunt. La da You I was gonna clean my room until I got high. <laughs> I was gonna get up and find the broom. But then I got high. Uh, La, da, da, My room is still messed up, and I know why. Why, man? Yeah, hey, Cause I got high. Yeah. Cause I got high. Yeah. Cause I got high. La, da, 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 da. I was gonna go to class before I got high. Come on, y'all. Check it out. Uh, I coulda cheated and I coulda passed, but I got high. Uh, uh. La da. I'm taking Da-da-da. it next semester and, and I know why why, man. why? yeah, hey, cause I got high Because I got high Because I got high Go to the next, go to the next, go to the next uh. I was gonna go to court Before I got high I was gonna pay my child support But then I got high No, you wasn't uh. They on my whole paycheck And I know why why, yeah, hey, cause I got high because I got high, because I got high, <laughs> la da 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 da. I wasn't gonna run from the cops, but, <laughs> but I was high. Uh, I'm serious man. Mm-hmm. I was gonna pull right over and stop, but, <laughs> but I was high. <laughs> uh, la, la da, da da. Now I'm a paraplegic da, da. and I know why. Why, why man? Because yeah. hey. I got high, because I got high, because I got high, la la, la da da. I was gonna make love to you, uh, but then I got high. No, I'm, sorry, I'm serious. serious. Mm-hmm. I was gonna eat your pussy, too, but uh, <laughs> then I got high. <laughs> <laughs> now I'm jacking <laughs> off, and I know why. Turn this s*** yeah, off. No, because I got high. Because, because I got high. Hey, do that old, because man. I got high. Hey, come on, man. Don't, hey, no, come, no, come on. Go, man. Go, go, man. go. I messed up go, my entire go, life go, because go, I got high. Go. Oh, yeah. Go. Go. I lost my kids in white Because I got high say what, say what, say what, say what, say what Now I'm sleeping on the sidewalk And I know why Why, baby? Hey, because hey, I got high Because I got high Because I got high la la da da i am going to stop singing this song Because I'm high <laughs> I'm singing this whole thing wrong Because I'm high Bring it back, bring it back high. One copy, <laughs> I know why we ain't pay cause I'm high, cause I'm high, cause I'm high. Are you lying really on me oh. at that? Uh.